Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clockwork Cantina, episode 138. I am one of your hosts, Josh902, and this is the other host of the show. I'm DT3. What's good, everyone? How are you doing out there, guys? Hope you're having a good Monday. Hope you're having a good in seven day, and hope you're having a good uh, first podcast in November with us today. So, yeah, we'll be doing some D and D world building in the second half of the show. We're gonna, um, um, I can already, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prime that up a little bit. We're gonna talk about some safety tools too before we get into the that part oh. of the show as well, because MCDM released some things, and we're gonna talk about them because it's a cool thing to talk about. But that'll be in the second half of the show. Uh, we got news and stuff, as usual, in the first half of the show, as well as what we've been up to the past week uh, uh, of what we've been up to. But, dude, two more episodes, DT. Two more, and we'll be at 140. One, True. four, zero, my friend. That is a lot. Not, not, not long now. Not long now. In DT. All right, let's hop into it. Let's just get into it right away. DT, what have you been up to the past week? Let me go ahead and change over our text. What have you been up to? There we go. You're up. What you up to, my man? What you got? Not much the past week. Just been uh, playing some games. Uh, Fortnite, Go Company, Overwatch 2. I started Prey on stream, so I've been doing that. Uh, and I'll be continuing that tomorrow. But the the... The coolest thing, or the best thing, I would say, this past week for me was I finally, after almost two weeks, watched Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and it was fucking awesome. It really was cool. I I I I I really enjoyed it from like start to finish. Uh, all all the, all the characters, uh, just the 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 whole world of of the you know the cyberpunk universe uh is is awesome. I played the game already when it first came out. So just going through it all again uh in in the TV show format was cool. There there are certain things that that happened in the show where you you know you you, you pull the Leonardo DiCaprio like look at the TV screen kind of kind of deal cuz you recognize <laughs> some stuff. Um and now yeah, it was just it was just amazing, dude. Like I I did not watch it on the sub. I watched the dub and they definitely use the slang and it makes me want to use it made me want to go back to calling everybody chooms and and <laughs> talking about how how preem shit is and you know all 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 that cyberpunk slang that was cool that that we said for a little bit when the game came out like it's it's awesome dude like i really it's one of my favorite like it's probably one of my favorite anime now like it's it's awesome it, it really is cool like i i don't want to hype it up too much but i i i really i really did enjoy it i i loved it it was yeah, I need awesome. To, I need to watch it, man. I need to check it out. I really yeah, do. it's only it's only ten episodes, uh, and each one is like less than half an hour because you know it's animated anime shows are, are not that not that very long. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was really really cool. I I I really did enjoy it, and uh, it's on Netflix. If anybody's wondering where it's on, if you're wondering where it is, uh, definitely go. And give it a shot because it was it's something that I had been wanting to watch because I you know I like Cyberpunk the game so I was like let me let me check out the show and finally did and man I should have watched it when it first came out because it's it's that good uh I've been I've like fucking pretty much binged it all in one one day it was it was amazing but 
yeah, I really did love it. So if you guys watch it, let me know what you think. Um, cause like I said, I, I really did like enjoy it. It was, it was really good. Um, and then, and then of course been keeping up with Andor cause we're going to be talking about that in a couple weeks once Hell that's yeah. over. So that's pretty much been my week though. Nothing, nothing super exciting or, or, you know, out of the ordinary or anything, just, you know, chill, normal week and yeah i finally watched cyberpunk so i'm very happy to have finally seen that and, and yeah you, you definitely gotta let me know what you think after after you watch it because honestly like after i saw it i was like man if we had both seen it when it first came out we could have done an episode on this but oh well you know yeah but yeah it was cookie crumbles i definitely want to check it out yeah it's good though yeah it's really really good though. so you definitely give it a shot sure but yeah that's pretty much been what i've been up to all right, for me, I've been playing. It's been very. Uh, I'm kind of like the same as DT. Like I just haven't done a lot. It's just kind of like the huge. I've been playing a lot of Mountain Blade Bannerlord because I got it. I modded it till I broke it and I fixed it. So I've been playing that. I think I've played like 30 hours the past two weeks. I think's what it says on Steam. Having fun with it. Um, I like it's just a giant sandbox. You get to go play around in and have fun and. Join kingdoms and go to war and try to make money and I just enjoy playing Bannerlord. It's kind of like my, I'm not really I'm done with everything. I can watch a podcast on this monitor and I can play my game on the main monitor and like it's just that kind of game for me. So, doing that. Last Tuesday I started the first game. I joined a group to learn how to play the Dune tabletop RPG that I have the books for but haven't gotten to learn like actually run any of the games yet. And we played for a couple hours, and it was cool. It was fun. It was uh, I've learned the basics of the system that I actually feel confident that I could teach people to play this game now. Uh, nice. So it will be, hopefully, in the future, I would love to run the beginner game for another group of people to get to learn to play Dune, because I love Dune, and a lot of my friends love Dune, or are getting into Dune for the first time, like DT. And it's uh, and we love tabletop RPGs, so learning new systems is great. Yeah. It helps inspire and change. Which, which by the way, really quickly, watching mm -hmm. Cyberpunk again made me want to play a fucking Cyberpunk RPG or D and D. Yeah, it, it just it does that show does such a good job of like making you want to go into that world, you know. But anyway, continue. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you, dog. I got you. Uh, one day when we do uh these D because we're doing D and D world building episodes, you know, we need to. I love Dungeons and Dragons, but we need to swap it up a little bit and like mess with some mess with some cyberpunk books or mess with some of the Dune books or mess with some of those yeah, other RPGs should. that are out there. I love Dungeons yeah, and Dragons, yeah. don't get me wrong, but it is not the end all be all when it comes to tabletop RPGs. There are a ton of them out there and they all do different things and they are all very unique in their own ways and have special mechanics. So it's a thing I would love to dive into in the future for sure. Um I'm staying caught up on Andor because we're obviously going to do a show on that in the future. Uh, and I watched The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Season 2, Episodes 9 and 10. I had, I had fallen off just because I'd gotten busy and didn't get to finish yeah. Season 2. But I finished Season 2. I, I love this show. I love it. I love it. I started Season 3 as Great. well. I've watched Episode 1 of Season 3. I just love the show. It's funny. It's, 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 it's cute. It's, it's, it's good stuff, man. Yeah. It's it's also amazing to me, like, I'm on season three, episode one, so minor spoilers, right? It's amazing to me how they choreograph, like, 
There's a giant dance number in the opening of season three, episode one. There's a, a ton of singing huh. and dancing. And, and on top of that, it's a period piece, right? So everybody's dressed up in these old clothes and they're doing these old dances and doing these old songs. And it's just like, man, they put a lot of work into the show and make it look good. And it just it kind of blew my mind a little bit yeah. with watching uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel. So it was it was, it was interesting. Uh, and it's good. I recommend it if you yeah. haven't seen Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's uh, it's one of Amazon's best shows. Absolutely, I liked it more like, than The Rings of Power. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to be honest. Yeah. No. No. I mean, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Look. Like. Yeah. I would. It's. It's. It's really. It's really good. Like. Like. People out there shouldn't sleep on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel because it is. It's. It's actually a really, really good show and. Uh. The cast is pretty good, and 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 yeah, it's it's every, every everything like think the show is like if if you're if you're thinking about it one way, like just go into it, check it out. It's it's really really good. Like like honestly, it's it's really is. like I said, it's one of, it's one of Amazon's best shows. Um, the main actress Rachel Brosnahan. She needs to be in more stuff because uh, I'm starting to feel about her the way that I felt about Tatiana Maslany in uh, mm-hmm. in uh, fucking Orphan Black. Like she needs to be in more things because she's so good, you know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, they uh, that 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 show's definitely fantastic. It's it's yeah, like Josh said, it's a period piece. It's uh, there there's a lot more to it than than what you. No, yeah, you're you're right, Baba. I just I I I never watched that though, so I was like, oh. and also she just really hasn't been in a lot of stuff in general, you know. Mm-hmm. Right, in 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 regards to Ra- uh, Rachel Brosnahan, like uh, she like yeah, she has been in House of Cards, but like apart from that, she just hasn't been in a lot of things, you know. So yeah, yeah. um. But yeah, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's great. I'm glad I'm getting to continue it. I'm gonna keep keep doing it. I didn't want to stop when I stopped last night, like I, I but I was like, man, it's getting kind of late. I start another episode. It's an hour because the episodes are an hour long. It's like if I do another episode, I'm just gonna end up staying up all night watching Mrs. Maisel and canceling dancing <laughs> today because I'm gonna be sleeping all day. And I was like, I didn't want to do that, you know, like that that was how it would have been. Though, if I had continued, because I I really do like that show, and I um good, it's really yeah, it's really um good. it's great. Um, and last but certainly not least is the weight loss update, because we do that every week on the show, good or bad. This week is fantastic, actually, because we weighed in yesterday on Sundays. We do it every Sunday, and then we talk about it here on the show, just in case you're out there and you're. Maybe trying to lose a little weight, and I'm going to show you my journey as I try to lose weight together here. So, uh, yesterday's weigh-in, we lost four pounds, guys. So, that was a total for 34. I think 34.8 pounds lost, something like that. We're almost at 35. It was, like, so close. It's like, yes! It's continuing on! Um, It is. So It's good shit, man. It's great. I write it down on a board with a marker every 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 sunday i'm up to remember uh remember last week when you tried to look at that and you were wearing the half mask and you're like i can't see 
I didn't have my glasses on. Yeah, I couldn't the see Halloween it, but episode I could see it like, oh, yeah, we can't see shit. Yeah, so I have yeah. every week, and then I have the weight that I weighed on that week, and it's on the board over there. I have 14 weeks. That's how much we've been... That's when we've been doing the weigh-ins. I've been... Um, I've been dieting longer than that, but I didn't start doing weigh-ins until, like, I had gone through the whole keto process of losing water because I wanted it to be, like, an honest weigh-in. I'm sure I've talked about this before. Because you lose water yeah. like crazy. You lose, you almost lose 10 pounds of water weight when you start keto. It's, it's just the way it is. Because you are peeing nonstop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the weight loss update, guys. It's good news this week. We've lost more weight. We're continuing to lose weight. And I was sitting there thinking earlier today, I was like, man, imagine when we hit week 28. What if we're, what if we're that low? How much lower can we go by the time we get to week 28 on, on the on the weigh-ins? It's like, goddamn. Um, goddamn. So, it's... Uh, <clears throat> I talk about it every week. I will continue to talk about it. Because, one, talking about it keeps me honest. But like, you know, you, you, if we all have that little voice in our head that's like, you know, I could sneak that extra cookie in there if I wanted to. I could sneak that one. And then that would lead to another one. And that would lead to another one. And then eventually that would lead to like a 10-pound weight gain. So as long as I'm talking about weight on this show and with you guys and with DT and on the Discord and with all our friends, like, it keeps me honest, right? It helps keep me honest. Um, because I'll admit, I'm a snacker. I love to snack, and I love sweets, but I can't have any of that stuff while I'm doing keto except for, like, keto-friendly, you know, like, sweet things. Um, so talking about it helps keep me on the right track. And, and before, it'd be like... I used to be, like... Uh, when I try to lose weight, I would I wouldn't talk about it because I was afraid I would fail if I talked about it. Right. I, I was afraid, like, if I start talking about my weight and I start telling everybody all this and then I fail. Everybody's going to know I fucking failed. Right. It's total wrong mindset. And you shouldn't Keeps feel that way though. either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You should talk about it. You should talk about it with everybody around you. You should talk about it every week, even if it annoys those people. I'm sorry, guys, that are going to be annoyed by this. But it's facts because it's not necessarily for you. It's to help keep us on track, you know? And it's not meant to be us bragging. It's meant to keep us honest and to help us uh, stay on our path of, of a healthier life and living and living longer. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing. So I, 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 this time when I've, I've been dieting, it's just felt different for me. Like, it really has. It feels like a different switch has been flipped, talking about it with everybody and just being open and honest with it. You're on the podcast, on the Discord, on my Facebook, where I have... Look, I have a gigantic circle of support from my friends, which I appreciate from everybody that always is... Always there and listen to me be like, man, Josh lost another five pounds. I wish he'd shut up. Come on, you know? It's because I love you guys and I want your support. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm joking around and kidding. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, uh... That's kind of all I've been up to the past week uh, with uh, with all the all the stuff I've been up to. Just a lot of Bannerlord, uh, for the most part, making dice, obviously as usual, um, and and that stuff. So that's what I have been up to. DT, do we want to hop into the news because we do have some, and I'm sure there's yeah, things that do. are breaking even now as we're talking. Probably, <laughs> yeah, but probably, but but yeah, we do have some news to get to right now. Uh, there's actually been uh, some some interesting uh, stuff that happened over the past uh, past week since we did the last show. So let's 
like Josh said, we're going to go ahead and get into it. First of all, we're going to be starting like every week as we do with the gaming news. Um, So let's hurry up and get into that. And also, yeah, happy, happy N7 day because today is an N7 day. Josh mentioned that top of the show, but yeah, since we're getting into the gaming news, yeah, it, it, it is N7 day. And, and they do have some stuff for that, which we'll get to, but let's get into the first thing here, which is that Lionsgate is interested in a major John Wick video game adaptation with a much larger budget than the independent John Wick Hex. So while Lionsgate has at least two more John Wick movies on the way, the studio is also considering a big AAA game based on the franchise. During an earnings call on November 4th, uh, Lionsgate CEO John Feltheimer mentioned that the company has been discussing proposals for the game, but nothing has been set in stone yet. Uh, and this is what uh, he said uh, during the call, according to a report from IndieWire. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but we believe there's a big AAA game to be made out of John Wick. We have been fielding proposals. We certainly are interested in moving that forward, but I don't want to say anything more about that at this time. And I agree. They mm -hmm. should definitely make uh, a game. I've been wanting a damn John Wick game, a, a you know, big AAA John Wick game since you know I saw the movies, dude. Like I, I just, they definitely need to do this. He can do it like Hitman style or you know, so, you know something else. But my, uh, I, I, I think I tweeted out. I was like, they should do it like Max Payne, because that would be perfect. Mm. Max Payne is all about gunplay and leaping around and doing cool. Uh, gun stunts which, which is what john wick is like max pan man would work uh very well i feel like for john wick yeah i i definitely want a game a, a john wick game like it would be it'd be awesome i i, I definitely get on that make, make it happen uh we're getting we're getting the fourth chapter four next year uh so start start working on this game because by the time that movie comes out and the fifth one come out i definitely am gonna want to play a game so i mean i already do but i want to even more you know it's gonna amplify that, that that feeling even more so get on it get working on it because there's a lot of us that would love to play this game yep 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 yep, yep. next up we have some news from the embracer group uh, they have shut down Square Enix Montreal. Just months after acquiring it. So as we know, the Embracer Group, uh, who has been just going around, I think the past, what, like year or so, or I forget how long it's been. It's been quite a bit of time. But they've been kind of going around and just buying stuff up, right? Like mm -hmm. left and right. Like they own this now and they own that now. And it's been kind of kind of nuts seeing them just go around and, and find things. But they have shut down Square Enix Montreal, like I said. Only months after acquiring it. And what this means is that oh shit hold on my 
The page isn't loading. Let me open this up again. Okay, so they're shutting down uh, the Montreal studio, uh, formerly known as Square Enix Montreal. I think they had like changed the name of it and then, you know, but it, again, formerly known as Square Enix Montreal. Uh, this, they would be transferring the staff over to Eidos Montreal, sister studio. And it's kind of the timing of this is kind of unusual because uh they were they were purchased in may and on october 10th announced a new name and branding so that was like only like a month ago that they announced the new name and branding and now they're just like oh you know they're they're gone they're gonna, they're gonna they're, they're out of here but it but the reason they're uh shutting this shutting them down is just, just they're trying to you know do some some large uh cost cutting uh, you know across all their 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 stuff um um and Edo's Montreal has reduced the, their scope of one announced project and will cancel another somebody familiar with the situation uh said and the company also plans to work with Microsoft Corporation to help develop some games, including one in the Fable franchise, led by UK-based Playground Games. So a little bit, of, a little bit of news on the Embracer Group and all the shit they own and what they got coming up and whatnot. Uh. Follow, to follow up that, we have a February release date for Atomic Heart, which is a game that we had seen previously. They, I think, have a trailer for it. Yeah, there's a there's a release date trailer. If you wanna if you wanna throw that up, Josh. Yeah, let me get that. Because it's coming out. The game is coming out on February twenty first, twenty twenty three. So yeah, we can go ahead and check that out really quickly. Trailer minute twenty fourth. Is that correct one? Yeah, minute, minute, uh, yeah, minute twenty or so. Yeah, I get it. Okay. All right, three, two, one, let's go.
There you go. Not not to be a negative Nancy, but slow motions of characters walking through cutscenes and fast forwarding the thing that matters, aka the gunplay, is really stupid. <laughs> okay, I hate it, it, it. It is it is a very <laughs> weird, uh, really built trailer. It's like the gameplay is all like super like somebody put the YouTube video on like fucking uh, like you know. 1.75 playback speed or whatever. Yeah. And then like they would show a random character's face and then they'd like go back to the fucking quick ass, you know, gameplay. Yeah. So it is a it is a little it, weird trailer. I'll be honest with you, uh, it kind of hurt my eyes a little bit because of the fast forwarding. It was like I want to see some of the the I want to see some of the gameplay because that's what draws me in. Not just cutscenes of characters with blank faces and and like things like that, because there is no story there. I'm not attached to any of those characters in that. In, I mean, in the trailer, there is no story yeah. in this trailer. They're just yeah. showing you all these uh, characters, models, and open spaces. And the thing that would get me into it, which is the gunplay and and the, and the shooting and and that kind of thing, is like it's fast forward and it's a lot and it's a lot really quickly and it hurts my eyes and it's because uh, it. I'm I'm kind of I'm sort of interested in the game, but I wanted to see the gameplay, and it's like the thing I wanted to see. They didn't show, they didn't get let me have a good look at you know like uh, so I'm not trying to be negative on it, but it was like oh man uh, that's not the best trailer in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Yeah. I don't think it was a particularly yeah. the the fast forwarding of the the stuff that I cared about was a little rough. But yeah, but, but, uh, that's all I got to say on it. But for those of you out there wondering what the hell this game is, it's going to be a first-person uh, FPS action RPG uh, that is set in an alternate version of the 1950s. Atomic Heart takes place in the Soviet Union in which robotics and other advanced technologies were developed during World War II. Robots designed to help humans have, turned, have since turned against their creators and a variety of secret experiments have led to accidental creation of terrifying mutants. These creatures and huge machines now stand in the way of you completing your own secret mission. So yeah, again, coming out February 21st, 2023. The game itself seems interesting, but I I, I agree with you, Josh. It's uh, that super speedy uh, gameplay footage is not, not the best. I don't know. I don't know who constructed this trailer and thought that was a good idea, but this ain't it, Chief. All right, what do we have next? Next, next up we have uh, Sony revealing the PlayStation VR 2 uh, release date, the price, the bundle, and some new games. So let's go ahead and check that out uh so the sony's next gen vr uh headset is arriving in quarter one of 23 uh there is a big bundle uh that'll be available for purchase on february 22nd 2023 starting at 549 dollars and 99 cents Every purchase includes a PSVR 2 headset, a new pair, pair of new and improved PS 
VR2 Sense controllers and stereo headphones. They're also offering a second bundle for $599.99 that includes all of the aforementioned stuff uh, as well as a PS Store voucher code for Horizon Call of the Mountain, which is a original VR experience set in the Horizon Zero Dawn universe. Uh, the company will be offering PS VR2 Sense Controller Charging Station an additional $50. The device will allow you to charge your touch controllers without having to connect to your PS5 console, freeing up the USB ports for other uses. Um, so it'll be available to pre-order here in the States, the UK, France, Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg over on PlayStation's online store starting on November 15th. Uh, you can also register for an invite to pre-order it uh, from, from, I guess, now, you know, as, as of like a few days ago or as of last week, probably. But anyway, yeah, that's some, uh, there's your, your PS VR 2 news on that. It is really expensive. Like, that is, that is so expensive. <laughs> I mean, it's more than the the console, right? It's more than the PS5. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a PS5, so I don't know how much. I forget how much it costs, but yeah, I think it's more. It than... it is it is more, and VR will never take off as long as it's going to cost this kind of money. Like, on top of needing the console, if you want it, you've got to buy the VR if you want it, and you're into the fucking damn close to a thousand bucks, you know. If you if you want to get into it, and that's so at that point, you'd almost be better off to buy the Valve Index, which is a really cool VR system for like Steam shit, right? When you get like the really neat finger controllers and all that, it's like God, that's so expensive. Like, I just I can't I can't I couldn't see myself dropping that kind of money on top of needing a PS Five to get into VR, especially when VR games. There's not even a they're lot of them at, out there. They're not at the level yet, I feel, I feel like. Yeah, right. You know? And the only reason I even have the VR that's back there is because, you know, the kid. The kid was, like, wanted it. And that's why the, my nephew, and, like, I bailed him out. I bought it off of him because, you, you know, wouldn't work on his PC. Yeah, but it works on mine. And it's like, that's, I just can't see it. I, th I can't see dropping that kind of money on it. I don't think it even should be that kind of money. Like, you need to find a way to make that shit cheaper because you're not going to make a profit on it until you find a way to make it cheaper for the people, for the vast majority of people. In this day and age with inflation and everything, I'll get a little politicky, but, you know, like, with the way everything, how expensive everything is nowadays, it's hard to justify dropping five, six hundred bucks on a VR, man. Like, it's hard yeah. enough to survive as it is. There needs to be a better way. Like, ugh. Anyway, that's kind of what my thoughts on it are. Uh, it's it's just so expensive. Yeah, I get you. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have much interest in VR as of right now, as it stands. Like I said, there isn't really, for me, a whole lot of... I don't think VR is at that level yet, where I'm like, man, this is... Like sometimes it, it it looks cool, but then I then it's like I don't. Is it really worth like 
me playing a game for like an hour and then being like, all right, that was cool, but it's kind of over, right. you know? No, like, I agree. Ah, dude. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, that's that. And then, yeah, like, like you said, with the whole, with the PSVR stuff, like, you need a, you need a PS5 and then you need to get all that on top, on top of that. Nah, dude, I don't even, I don't even have a PS5 yet. And to be honest, I don't even know if I'm going to get one. Cause like, they're just, the, the big reason of like, for me, I was always a PlayStation guy, but like there, there was, because they had, you know, the only place you could play certain games was on there. Right. But nowadays it's like, you don't, you don't really, there's not much of that anymore. Like the console wars and, and, and like games being exclusive aren't really a thing. Like they're exclusive for like at most, maybe a few years. Right. And then eventually it seems like they're bringing most everything over to PC. Yeah. So as long as, you know, they keep doing that, I'll be fine. And then I just, just shit's, like you said, shit's, shit's, and like you I said, shit's expensive, dude. Like, like, yeah. like, I gotta buy fucking all this other crap. Like, nah, dude. Nah, nah, nah. Mm-hmm. You know, life is expensive, dude. It is. So it's like, it, it's, it's. <laughs> so is death. You know how much it costs to bury you? It's so expensive. <laughs> it's fucking awful. <laughs> you can't live or die in this world without it costing somebody a penny. That's some bullshit, man. That 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 right there is some bullshit. Can't even can't even die without it costing too much either. Anyway, that's a whole other that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns. They had a little Ghost Rider showcase. Yeah, check this uh, out. So let's see what they got here. We've watched these a few times in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We but have. I really wanted to see the Ghost Rider one because it's Robbie Reyes' Ghost Rider, and he's cool. So let's let's check it out. Three, two, one. Well, we've made it to our twelfth hero showcase, and we're gonna deep dive into my personal favorite superhero on the roster. As always, this video is brought to you in partnership with Marvel and Two K. I want to start by sharing a quote from Avengers Volume Eight, Number Twenty Five. Everyone keeps telling me that I'm the worst Ghost Rider that ever lived. Like that's supposed to be some kind of insult. But what the hell have the Ghost Riders ever done? Except you look at old ass Johnny Blaze. They love, except die alone or go bat crazy. Well, that's not me, Uncle Eli. That's not how I'm going out. To hell with being a spirit of vengeance. I'm an Avenger. I feel like this perfectly sums up this week's hero, not just in terms of personality, but also ties in very nicely with his playstyle. By now it's obvious, but this week's hero is Robbie Reyes, a.k.a. Ghost Rider. Now, Ghost Rider's playstyle is mostly focused on dealing major amounts of damage, but a lot of his cards have a trade-off that cost either his own health or cards in your hand. He also has his own souls meter to fill, and that encourages you to get knockouts with Ghost Rider himself. You'll also find that Ghost Rider operates best when he can spend a lot of heroism, so he'll pair best with heroes that generate heroism or have heals, since he'll be routinely damaging himself to fuel his damage output. Now, since Ghost Rider is my personal favorite, I'm going to take some liberties here, and I'm going to showcase more heroic abilities than usual. They're crazy strong, their animations are over the top, and their gameplay impacts are heavenly. Or should I say, hellenly. 
No, probably not. We'll start with one of his skills called Immolate Bruh. that doesn't have a trade-off of four cards. But it does act as a great setup for follow-up attacks. Immolate makes it so that enemies KO'd by Ghost Rider for the next two turns... Fire breath. Goddamn. ...and explode in the AoE around them for extra damage. Damn, damn, damn. Okay, I'd like that's to point cool. out here that it's generating above Oh, shit, everybody died. Well, something that Ghost Rider will absolutely utilize later in the what fight. What the fuck? Earlier I mentioned that you'll want to get KOs with Ghost Rider to build his Souls meter. So let's explain a little bit about how that's going to work. Each knockout will increase his Souls meter by one. KO. Once it's full, you'll automatically draw a Drain Soul card. Now, Drain Soul cards have Chain 2, they're Lifesteal cards, and they have this hellish stacking capability. Each time a Drain Soul card is played, it'll give all Drain Soul cards an extra chain attack, but it's also going to increase the heroism cost requirement too. The idea here is to get as many knockouts as possible with Ghost Rider, keep filling that meter, keep buffing Drain Soul, and soon you'll be chaining every enemy across the map while keeping your health up with lifesteal. This can also be buffed with Hunter Friendship levels. At level 1, filling the Souls meter will buff Ghost Rider's health by 15%, and at level 2, it's going to reduce the number of souls required to fill the meter by 1. Now keep in mind, you can only trigger the health buff twice per battle, so plan accordingly. Okay, it's heroics time. Now here's one of the cards that does have a big health trade-off for Ghost Rider. Judgment is going to consume 25% of Ghost Rider's current health. And it's going to damage an enemy and everything nearby at a rate of two damage for every health that you trade it. So keep in mind Jeez. with some of the previous things we've already discussed, as his health goes He's like higher, fire, like breath attacks or explosive like as shit. The upgrade man. for this card is nice because it makes your positioning decisions a little bit easier. Instead of hitting everything with the nearby damage, it will only impact enemies. This next heroic card could easily have been a Midnight Sun's golden heroic ability, in my opinion. But for Ghost Rider, I guess everything he does is awesome. Hellride is just one ability that stuck with me from the early preview event I did many months back, just for how over the top it is. When casting Hellride, Ghost Rider's gonna summon his ride from the depths, and he runs over every enemy in a line Damn. for major damage. The trade-off, however, it could hurt. After playing Hellride, your entire hand can be discarded. Obviously, get creative with your timing here, and it can be less of a problem or potentially no problem at all if it's the last card in your hand. The upgrade for Hellride is pretty nice too. It just gives you more damage, and you could get late game mods that add other status effects. In this case, you're seeing you can apply vulnerable to every enemy that you hit as well. Last but certainly not least is Ghost Rider's Midnight Sun's heroic ability. Penance Stare is similar in nature to Judgment. It's got a bunch of extra Hellfire behind it. Penance Stare will consume 50% of Ghost Rider's health to target an enemy, and this time is going to deal 4 damage per health consumed. In addition, it's also going to fill your Souls meter, granting you a Drain Soul card, of course, and we've already talked about how powerful those could become. But because of all of this, oh, Penance Stare does have Exhaust, so use it wisely. In an ideal scenario, when you're on empty souls. Jesus. Overkill. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You, you, you don't Rider. fucking say overkill. All of the it's like all his moves are just like sense. nuclear bombs. I love next. it. A lot of guesses flying around. You'll have to stay tuned to find out, but have no fear. We'll return with a 13th hero very soon, including details on how you'll unlock them. There's been Jeez, a lot of juicy dude. details dropped on the social channels about the legendary edition 
and the game's DLC. So check Bam. those out if you have Bam. Dude, it's just like explosion after explosion. Man. With me on this series. I've had a blast so with it so far. And I can't wait to bring you the 13 year shit. You definitely yeah, feel damn. like a Marvel hero. It seems Marvel's like. Midnight Suns. And we will see you again shortly. Cue the Hulk scream. Number second. Well, well, well. You gonna pre order and get that Defender Strange skin or no? I don't know. I don't usually do the pre order thing too much. Maybe. We'll see. I am gonna get this game. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all I was asking because I know you're gonna get it anyway, and like you know, Defender Strange skin, you know, fuck it. Why in the pre-order? Yeah, what's it? We shall see. Yeah, he he seems very uh, very uh, OP. Uh, Ghost Rider. Mm hmm. All right, what do we got next, Josh? We have a Evil West co-op gameplay trailer. Oh, shit. I do want to see this because this is a game I'm very excited So about. I put this in here because I was like, you know what? We were high on this last week. So we going to get high on it again this week with a new trailer for the co-op. Yes. Oh, shit. Okay. Did you hear that? The hell was that? I did. What the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> it's construction workers. Uh, okay, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, is that a firework? What's going on over there? I just want to sound like there it goes again. It's somebody's yep. brakes. It's the brakes on one of the the things. Anyway, let's okay. continue on. I'll mute the microphone. <laughs> no, you're good. I was just like, what the hell? All right, uh, three minute co op gameplay trailer. I'm like I said, I'm very excited for this. Watched uh, a video on it last week, so let's see what they got here today. Three, two, one, go. Flying Wild Hog Focus Entertainment. Goddamn, this looks fun already. How's it going, everybody? My name is Tomasz Gop. I'm a lead producer at Flying Wild Hog working at Evil West. And today we're stoked to give you a first look at the game's cooperative multiplayer. We have designed our game to be an exciting, old-school, gore-smashing, vampire-slashing, single-player action first yes. and foremost. Still, if you want to enjoy the entire campaign with your friend, our two-person online co-op has got you covered. Evil West's co-op is simple and straightforward, so both players play as Jesse and only the host progresses the storyline. On the other hand, the challenge mm. grows and some encounters have a slightly different enemy composition. To so you both play the same character and only the Bride host's story agents, progresses. The entire Flying Wild Hawk team wishes you a splendiferous trip to the Weird West. Enjoy the gameplay. Splendiferous? What the fuck?
Just imagine like wailing on one enemy, like dude, both of you. Just beating. Look at that, like right here. Like, 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 right, like right there. Just beating the dog shit out of a singular enemy. Man, that game looks fun. It does. I, I, I want to play the shit out of that game. That looks really, really cool. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really dope. Very excited for that game. Very, very excited. It's coming out uh, pretty soon. I think, right? November it says. I don't know if it's gonna yeah, be so, so, so this 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 month. I think I think last time or last week when we were talking about it, it, it had a release date, November twenty second, yeah. November twenty second, yeah. So at the end of the month. Yep. Cute. Add it to the cool. list. Shit, that's been on my list, man. I I wanna play the fuck out of that game. Um, alright, that was cool. What do we have? Next. Ah, yes. So today's on seven days. So we got a little, little bit of, little bit of something from Bioware on the next Mass Effect. Um. So they, I guess, Bioware tweeted out like an image. Or, or or not even an image, it's like a video, huh? It's like a little video, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a little like twenty-five second video. Um that they want people to you know, inve investigate and examine on and, and, and super like, you know, look into. So if you want to check that out, twenty-five seconds, let's do it. Let's Three, do it. two, one, go. Hmm. That's all it is. Just a little. It's a fucking little, 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 little ass tease, is what it is. Little, yeah. Little you can kind of see certain things uh, if you I'm look going at to the it. Mass Effect Reddit right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna a, see what they got over here. There's an MR7 that you can see. Uh. There's just what are we even like looking at here? Is it like uh like a relay or, or what like what is this? So yeah, so people are saying I'm looking at the Reddit here, so I'm not first of all, someone has supposedly decoded the noise from the teaser. 
And apparently it oh, says okay. a thing that we'll play on stream for you guys in a second. But first of all, people think the MR stands for Mass Relay. Mass okay. Relay 7. So we're getting Mass Relays. Okay, well, cool. So, I mean, that, that's what it looked like to me, at least. It was just like a, like mm -hmm. a giant Mass Relay. But anyway, yeah. continue. Here is the... Exactly. Here is the... I'm going to send you this, and we'll play it together at the same time, DT. And, uh, okay. Let me let me open it as well. I think you have to pause it immediately because it's fucking SoundCloud and it wants to play everything immediately. So. All right. Okay. I'm You're ready. I'm at the Let's... start. Let's go. All right. Three, two, one, go. Exactly. The council will be furious. Although they should know by now not to underestimate. I can see the Exactly. The council will be furious. Although they should know by now not to underestimate human defiance. Perhaps worse, they must be I can see How did we miss this? Exactly. The council will be furious. So. The council will be furious. Yeah. It's, there's that, definitely some guest that to you sounds. There's some guest sound sounds in like, there. <laughs> yeah, there was. I was going to say, though, does the lady talking sound like Liara to you? Oh, that's straight up Liara. Absolutely. Because I'm like, that sounds like her to me. So in the, in the Reddit thread, if this is true, if this is actually like a decoded thing, which I'm, I, I have no reason to doubt. That which, it is. by the way, how the fuck do people decode this shit anyway is what I want to know. But, but that, that's a whole other thing. I, I have no Continue. fucking clue. Uh, but it sounds like uh, exactly the council will be furious, although they should know by now not to underestimate human defiance. So that sounds like what Liara is saying. If if uh, which apparently that this is the legit decoded dealio from what I've seen here, so just another mystery on top of a mystery or something that we're not gonna understand for fucking years at this point, <laughs> you know, yeah. like like straight up, like because the next thing's gonna be Dragon Age, right? Like that's probably what we'll get a trailer for at the Game Awards, but like. What if they did drop another little teaser at the Game Awards for Mass Effect? That's it wouldn't be the first time I... they've done it. No, no, I, I would love it. I, I, I would love to see that, dude. Like, just thinking about it, like, gets me excited because, man, I, I'm very, very curious. I mean, hearing Liara talk immediately got chills all over the bot, you know, like, like all over the, like, the, 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 the goose flesh and all the, the, the tingly feelings, you know, like. So I'm really curious to where they're going to go next, you know, like. Straight up. Yeah, it's that. That's very interesting, though. I, I, I obviously we kind of knew that based off the official teaser that they, you know, showed us however long ago that was already, like last year or or two years ago or however long. You know that one kind of had Liar in it at the end, right? So it makes sense that she's back and you know around mm -hmm. still. Um. But yeah, very but like the big very... the big unanswered question is is I I can never mind. I shouldn't it'd be spoilers. It'd be spoilers. It'd be spoilers. <laughs> I know I know it I know what you're about to ask, and I think yeah. I think yes. I think yes. 
They're gonna it, have it, to pick it, a. They're gonna have to pick a canon ending because there's multiple endings, guys. That's not a spoiler. That's true. But they're gonna That's have true. to pick one. And it seems yeah, like they they're gonna, gonna pick have... the one that the vast majority of people went with. It seems like you know, like they might be do it like XCOM two style. You know, when XCOM first came out, the original XCOM, people failed at that game. They failed at that game so much that when they decided to make a sequel, the the sequel is that you lost in the first game. <laughs> that's the sequel. Like that's where it picks up as like you lost in XCOM, the original XCOM, and the aliens have taken over now. And and it, it's not good, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they do with this. They pick the ending that got picked the most like oh, I'm sure they have probably have the statistics of that somewhere. Um, yeah, I, th- I think they do. I remember um, when they when they came out with the legendary edition last year, they had like all the stats of all their shit everybody did. So they'll probably if I had to guess, go off of that, you know? Yeah. Um, but. They yeah, have to pick an ending. There's no way you can do a sequel and not have an ending picked, right? Especially how that is. So they have to. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I would be... It has to be. I wouldn't believe it any other way. Like, I'm putting my money on it, right? So... I, uh... That's exciting. Like, that'll that'll hold us over, I guess, till next in seven day or whenever we get another teaser for, for Mass Effect, whenever that might be. Maybe the Game Awards will throw something in there. That would be cool. I'm not saying it is... In fact, I would I wouldn't expect it to be there at all. Like, but you never know, you know. You, you don't get your hopes up, but you know, don't be surprised. Cool. All right. DT, right, what cool. do we yeah, what do we got next? That's a it's an interesting very uh, little tease, and I'm sure. And it only ha- it's only a thing today, so I'm sure it'll people will keep finding stuff from that. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, sure of it. But because uh, even Michael Gamble, who's a project director at Bioware, you know, subtweet or, or like he, he he tweeted retweeted that uh, there are so many things for you to find in this. Good luck, investigators. We'll, we'll see what these investigators discover here. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it on the podcast if it's if it's worthy of it, you know, like if it's a, something big. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, next up, we have some PC gaming show news. Uh, the PC gaming show will happen again in November, and now it's never not. So the PC gaming show, an independent showcase of computer games, has hovered around the vicinity of E3's June date since the start of 2015. We'll kick off a second annual event on November 17th as the video game industry's hype cycle progressively expands to take over the entire annual calendar. Uh, the new event is billed as 2023 preview, highlighting the most exciting games heading to the PC platform next year and beyond. It will be presented by regular PC ga- uh, gaming show host Frankie Ward and streamed on YouTube, Twitch, and other platforms uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, the showcase will be sponsored by Intel and feature, among other things, a look at Kerbal Space Program 2, a new game from Armello Studio of Geeks, noir detective game Shadows of Doubt, a World War One strategy game The Great War Western Front, amongst other things. Uh, they're sponsored by uh, PlayOn, who was formerly known as Cock Media, 
Sega Frontier and Avalanche Studios. So we'll probably see titles from those companies as well. Uh, but yeah, they, uh, the move to run a second showcase later in the year mirrors the growth, uh, the same growing, uh, or the same growth as, uh, you know, the gaming empire under Jeff Keighley, who established December's Game Awards as a major date in the gaming industry before launching Summer Game Fest as an E3 rival during the pandemic. Uh, in 2023, Summer Game Fest will launch its first person event for the public, while E3 proper returns in a new show while with both media and public days, which we've mentioned before. Uh, and obviously, you know, Nintendo, Sony, and EA have their own showcases throughout the year whenever they want to do that. So there isn't really like, you know, it's not like it was like 10 years ago or, or, or more, you know, or, or 15 years ago where we'd have E3 and everybody's at E3 and, you know, you wait for everything that they have. Nowadays, we have gaming news all the fucking time. You know, like I said, EA has their own thing. Sony has their own thing. Nintendo has their own thing. Everybody, like, does what, what they want when they want now. So it's not how it used to be, which is, which, like, I think is really cool that we have all that now. But I also kind of miss the days of, like, you know, waiting for E3 and, you know, waiting on all the, you know, on that whole thing, right? Like, we, we mentioned it a lot here on, on, on the podcast that like I used to watch and, and Josh as well used mm-hmm. to watch fucking, you know, uh, G4 and, 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 and watch E3 and all that shit. So waking up early you know, to get was... them get, so you could watch all the conferences, right? Like, like you wanted yeah, to make sure you didn't oversleep times, and miss man. it. So, yeah. So part of me misses it too, man. I kind of, I miss this. Yeah. I miss, you know, I'm sure the, the 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 actual game devs and stuff probably aren't as like, Ooh, yeah. we gotta have something ready for E3. But man, as an audience, as as the people that watched, it was always so exciting. Like, what are they gonna show? What's next? Are they gonna show new hardware? Are they gonna show? What are they gonna show? Like, what surprises are gonna are gonna happen? And like, the crowd reaction in the crowd would get you hyped. It's like, you know, we come from like. On YouTube, we I, I watch reactions to things all the time. It's to kind of like capture that 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 same kind of magic that you get from like the conferences that would happen, you know, like the the fucking uh, the Keanu like the Keanu moment on stage, right? Like yeah, you're breathtaking. Yo, you're you know? breathtaking. Yeah. Like that, come on, you wouldn't get that shit without without you know. So like. It's hard to to be like I never want it again or anything like that. I definitely do. Like I want that. I want those moments. Those are great moments and like moments you don't forget. Like it became a whole thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, like uh, it's it's it's. I miss. Uh, I kind of miss that. <sighs> For sure. All right. Moving on from that, we have one last thing here for the game of news for today. And that is Josh. Yeah, we have I threw it in here just because um I saw it like uh when I was looking at Twitter during the show, so I threw it in here. It says uh Final Fantasy 16 will be in quotes exclusive to PS5 for six months. 
What that means for PC and Xbox isn't clear yet. Uh, so I have an article from Polygon. It says, The next mainline Final Fantasy game will be a PS5 exclusive for six months, according to a new ad for Sony's current-gen console. Final Fantasy 16 has always been pitched as being tied to some sort of PlayStation exclusivity, despite being initially confirmed for PC as well. But Sony's new promo for the PS5 makes it explicit, letting players on other platforms know how long they'll have to dodge spoilers for the game. What's unclear about Final Fantasy XVI's exclusivity is, in, is which platforms that designation applies to. Elsewhere in the same ad, another Square Enix published game, Forspoken, is described as a PS5 exclusive until January 23rd, 2025, two years after the game launches on both PS5 and PC. Does that mean Final Fantasy 16 is simply console exclusive during the first six months and that an Xbox version is due sometime in early 2024? It's unclear. So Polygon has reached out on both Square Enix, Square Enix and Sony for clarity, and it will update when the company responds. Uh, further muddling of the PS5 exclusivity of Final Fantasy 16, the Square Enix track record for previous RPG exclusives. The publisher's Final Fantasy 7 remake was initially was initially exclusive to PS4 when it was released in 2020. A year later, the remake came to PC, initially only for the Epic Game Store, though. In PS5, with Square Enix Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrated Expanded released. Uh, yet no such exclusivity applies to another sizable Final Fantasy project, Crisis Core FF7 Reunion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically what it's saying is, we don't know if this is going to come out on PC at the same time as it's going to come out on PS5. Um, hopefully, I personally hope it does come out on PC at the same time as PS5, but it's probably going to end up having to wait because it just feels that way it always happens with, like, Japanese RPG releases. It's like you almost always end up having to wait. Um, so... Well, yeah. I mean, for you though, you you have you have a PS5, so you I could do. you could get it on PS5. I do, if you want but to. I would rather play it on the PC because, I mean, let's just be real: the PC is stronger than the PS5. Like it always, ultimately, will be. Like the only reason I got the PS5, other than like exclusive exclusives that will never come to PC. Like like if this comes to PC, right? It, it's gonna come and it's gonna come to PC. I don't want to get it for the PS5. I want to get it for the PC. The PlayStation should, like, I bought it for anything that would be, like, exclusive and for this, the controller. So, like, I don't know. I don't want it to necessarily not come to PC at the same time. Because, man, and I'm saying this not necessarily just for myself, but for the world at large that wants to play it. Having to dodge spoilers for six months in this day and age of social media, YouTube, Twitter, the foul deal is so hard. To dodge spoilers for everything, I got spoiled on Black with, Adam uh, before the movie was ooh. even out. Really, like because of people that went to the premiere. So, yeah, I was gonna say that's gonna be me with Ragnarok here with God of War in a couple weeks, or, or actually no, not a couple weeks, like very soon, like that too like this week. Like that's I'm I'm gonna happen to be dodging spoilers left and right for that because I'm not gonna. There's be able already to play that spoilers right out there for that because of people because of game com because of game stores that released the game early before they should have. Like it's yeah. insane. Anyway, definitely a lot of that going on. But that is our gaming news for the week. It is. So we can go ahead and move on to uh, the TV news if you're ready.
I'm ready. We have transitioned over to the TV news. What do we what do we have up first? Cool. So, first thing we got for the TV news is that we have a premiere date for The Last of Us on HBO Max. We do. Uh, the official HBO Last of Us account tweeted out that uh, The Last of Us will be premiering on January 15th. So we are like two months away, dude, basically. Mm-hmm. Which I'll be honest with you, this show is coming out a lot sooner than I thought it was going to come out. I did not Same, expect it to actually. come out so so early. Like two months away? Like that is I thought it was gonna be like maybe a spring or summertime show, like to be honest with you. But the fact that it's like beginning of the month, that's nuts, dude. I I was I literally was not expecting that, but that's pretty cool. That is that is pretty cool. I I will be checking this out. Well we we will be talking about it. I'll be we'll probably it. be we'll probably be doing an episode on it to be honest. Yeah, for sure. Um so yeah. Keep an eye out on that. That's coming on January 15th. Uh pretty cool. Again, I've played the game, Josh has not, so that'll be a a fun uh experience with having someone who will have only seen the show and not play the game and then having someone who has played the game and and will be watching the show as well. So you'll have both you'll have both points of view if you if you watch our you it's know true. episode on that that comes out. So be be good stuff. Um, but yeah. Um, we have some WandaVision new uh, WandaVision spinoff news. Agatha Coven of Chaos has cast Aubrey Plaza. Uh, she'll be joining Catherine Hahn and disney plus series uh we are not sure who she's going to be playing but uh she's going to be joining the show along with uh, a couple other actors and actresses uh, also joining is uh ali An and maria dizia uh as well as joe Locke, all joining cast of uh, Agatha Coven of Chaos there's been a lot of casting news for that lately so again we don't really know who they'll be playing but they will be joining the show Um, so that's cool this show is starting to pick up a little bit more you know steam as to who they're going to be having involvement and all that stuff so yes uh next up talk about the sandman it's getting a second season over at netflix i will be honest with you all and i have not even watched the first season yet so i don't know if you know I I have I have really no thoughts on this, other than I guess it's cool that I I it did well enough that it's getting a second season, you know. It's set up for a second season uh, as well. Oh, Maybe. is it okay? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I I, I watched uh, all of it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, cool then. I uh, it, definitely not going to be a situation of like, oh man, they they set it up and they're not doing it, you know. So, mm-hmm. so that's good. Uh. Hopefully, 
they'll allow this show to go its full plan and, and uh uh continue its story uh all the way to the end unlike another show that we're about to be talking about here pretty soon but anyway do you got any other any thoughts on this josh i i like i said i really don't have much to say on this because i haven't seen it but i think it's you know cool that they're they're, they're doing it i think uh, it was the neil uh, neil uh gaiman like tweeted it out right there like oh we're in a second season or something right but uh yeah first first season had 10 episodes based on the first 16 issues of the comic uh out of the 75 in total so depending on how they do season two if they also do another 10 episodes and how many you know issues they do off of that they could probably uh do a couple seasons of the or several seasons of the show uh if they want to adapt all 75 issues but uh yeah i i like us like i said i honestly have not seen the show i haven't read the comic i don't know too much about this character or the story or anything like that so I don't I don't have much to contribute on this one. Yeah, Josh, you got anything else before we continue? Nah, I'm I'm good to keep going. All right. So as I was saying, hope you know hopefully the this show gets to tell their whole story because HBO is not letting Westworld complete their five season plan because they Westworld has been canceled. Uh it's finishing up after its recent fourth season. Uh, despite create the creators hoping for a fifth and final season to wrap things up. Uh, last month, co-creator Jonathan Nolan said in an interview that he hoped HBO would give the series a fifth season to wrap up the show's ambitious story, which has chronicled a robot uprising that changed the fate of humanity. We always planned for a fifth and final season, he said. We are still in conversations with the network. We very much hope to make them. Co-creator Lisa Joy likewise said the series has been working toward a specific ending. Jonah and I have always had an ending in mind that we hope to reach. We have not quite reached it yet. Um, but it looks like ratings for the series fell off sharply for its third season, and then they dropped even further for season four. Uh, the critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes also declined from the mid-80s on the first two seasons to the mid-70s for the latter two. And there was a lot of talk that people, you know, like fans and stuff, had the show become incredibly confusing and lacked characters to root for, apparently. Um, And this is all, you know, in the midst of Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav, you know, pledging towards aggressive cost-cutting uh, you know, saving money like they did with, you know, cutting off Batgirl completely and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of weird. Cause, uh, you know, uh, they typically like to give major show creators time to, you know, end their show. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like, to try to prevent another Deadwood, because remember, remember that whole thing. Uh, yeah, they literally took like what thirteen years to, to to complete that show. You know, from the end of the end of the show to the movie, it's something some crazy like that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, now that's that's the the ending. 
for now, I suppose, is the end of season yeah. four, which I, I like I said when we watched when we did our review or, or you know, when we did our episode on Westworld season four. I said in that I was like, well, I could see this being an ending of this is where they're gonna end it. But I think this is just this is me speaking here. If you're gonna have a show where the if you're gonna have the show where, where where you have the creators of it have a plan from start to finish and they know what they're gonna do, let them fucking finish it. Like there was it's it's not like they had like two, three more seasons to go. They literally had one more season. Just let them fucking finish the show. Like they know exactly where they want to go and take these characters and 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 end it all. Get, just let them fucking do it. Like mm-hmm. that's that seems like just weird that that you're just gonna like cut them off like that, you know. And then I did hear from somewhere or something that uh, Lisa Joy was kind of planning on like revealing the ending if you know they don't get a fifth season. So. We'll see how that goes, but um, HBO also put out a st- statement and said, over the past four seasons, Lisa and Jonathan have taken viewers on a mind-bending odyssey, raising the bar at every step. We are tremendously grateful to them, along with their immensely talented cast, producers, and crew, and all of our partners at Kilter Films, Bad Robot, and Warner Brothers Television. It's been a thrill to join them on this journey. Kilter Films put out a statement saying, Making Westworld has been one of the highlights of our careers. We are dip- deeply grateful to our extraordinary cast and crew for creating these indelible characters and brilliant worlds. We've been privileged to tell these stories about the future of consciousness, both human and beyond, in the brief window of time before our AI overloads forbid us from doing so. Uh, so, Yeah. I guess you know, like like I said with Deadwood, if 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 that's anything to go off of, maybe they'll eventually finish Westworld in the future, like they did with that. But I don't know. For now, this is all we're getting. So what do you, yeah. what, do you what do you think, Josh? Uh, well, obviously, I wanted the next season. Now I felt like season four kind of got me interested back in it, got back on track a little bit. Um, I can understand the fall off of season three wasn't my favorite either, but I liked four and I was really looking forward to five to see how they kind of ended everything. It's what another thing that's crazy is like the core cast is still going to be paid for season five, even though it's been canceled. Like yeah. that is out there. Like they, they had pay yeah. or, or a player pay deals, you know, so they're still losing money because they have to pay the actors. So that's like even more mind blowing to me. Like. You're just you're just gonna pay him to stay at home when we could have gotten to season five and seen how it all wrapped up. That was gonna be the end, man. It, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I bet the I'm cast is like, well, that sucks. We're not gonna get to finish it, but uh, let me wipe my tears with this money right here. <laughs> yeah, these hundies. Hey. Oh. Oh. oh man. Aaron Paul was so good yeah. last season too. Like like, man. Man, I wanted to see how it ended. I hope, I hope, we, I hope I do get to. I hope we get a write up. Maybe we'll get a little novel or a book or something. Who knows? Uh, you know, like I want to know how it ends. Maybe. Like I want to know yeah. what they or had l- planned for it to end. Like season four obviously could have ended, but I would like to know what their plan was for the ending. Their planned one, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll get it at some point. Who knows? In one way or another. We'll, we'll one maybe way. Find out. Oh, no, what do we got next, DT? Because I don't have na, anything na, else na, to say na. on that. 
Next thing is that we have a we have the the title of episode one from the fifth and final season of Stranger Things. So look at that, another show that has a fifth and final season. What man? It's actually getting an ending. Netflix didn't cancel it. I'll be damned. <laughs> so yeah, they uh they put out yeah. They put out a uh, image uh, showing, like, the script. Uh, Stranger Things 5, episode 501, chapter 1, The Crawl is what it's going to be called by the Duffer Brothers. Um, the highly anticipated final season of Stranger Things has fans on the edge, and the Duffer Brothers have promised not to add too many new characters and focus on the established core cast. Uh, which I think is a good thing. They should have been doing that already instead of introducing a new character every season that people like and then kill them off. <laughs> you know? It's like, 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 why do that? Like, like kill off some of your OG characters if you're going to do that or, or focus on them a bit more, you know? But anyway, I, I could go off on a whole tangent about that, so I'm not going to do that. But, uh, So Matt Duffer, talking to IndieWire, said, I just like shaking it up, so we shake it up by changing the plot or adding in a new monster. We're doing our best to resist adding new characters for Season 5. We're trying not to do that so we can focus on the OG characters, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit of info on Season 5. We have the, we have the title of the first episode now, due to the little script page picture there um yeah i uh i'm i'm i haven't been the biggest fan i was i wasn't the biggest fan of season four personally i know a lot of people liked really liked it and, and whatever but i wasn't a big fan of it there was some characters i didn't really like either and 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 all that but it was fine but i just i don't think that there needs to be like I don't think your 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 last couple episodes of the show need to be longer than movies, you know what I mean? Like it's it's completely unnecessary and 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 you need to like just yeah, focus on the OG characters a bit more and and, and all that. But anyway, I I we we've talked about that already. I forget what episode. I don't know. I don't think we actually made an episode off off of that, right? We just talk, kind of talked about it in another one, but Yeah, honestly though, I'm hoping that I'm really hoping that season five, this final season, is gonna like get me back, like gonna make me feel what I felt during like the first and, and third season, because those are my two favorite seasons of the show, seasons mm -hmm. one and three. So I'm hoping it gets back to that for me personally, as opposed to like you know where I thought four was kind of okay and two was like also okay, but eh, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm just. We'll see what happens with that. See what happens with that. The last thing that I have here for the TV news is that we have the full the, the cast for Star Wars Acolyte revealed. So we have uh, an announcement that was brought to us today. Uh, Monday. The Leslie Headland. Disney Plus original series will take fans to the High Republic era. So, joining the 
joining the previously announced cast of Amanda Stenberg and Lee Jung Jae, Manny Jacinto, Daphne Keene, Jody Turner Smith, Rebecca Henderson, Charlie Barnett, Dean Charles Chapman, and Carrie Ann Moss are all going to be in Star Wars The Acolyte. There's also a picture below the cast uh, behind the scenes uh, with uh, Amanda Lee and uh, Lee Jung Jae and uh, Leslie Headland over in the, in the little, little BTS uh, photo there. I like uh, this shirt that Amanda has on. It's like the Star Wars Visions anime Boba Fett t-shirt. I'm like, that's that's cool. Uh, but yeah, the Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take viewers into the galaxy of a shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. A former Padawan reunites with her Jedi Master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. The High Republic saw the Jedi Order at its prime centuries prior to the events of the Phantom Menace. Uh, so there's a little bit of uh, back information, backstory information on that. I am very excited for this show. I cannot wait to see this when it comes out next year. I think the cast is awesome. Uh, I think the, the era that we're in is fucking awesome. The story synopsis there is fucking cool. So I'm all about this. I can't wait. Dude. This is one of my yeah. most anticipated shows coming up uh, next year, for sure. And I just think, like, look at this cat, like Carrie Ann Moss in Star Wars, bro. That's gonna be sick, <laughs> dude. I'm I'm fucking hype about that. Fucking Trinity's got... gonna be doing fucking kicks and shit. Be cool. I mean that that'd be nuts. <laughs> they got fucking Daphne Keene, who was a X twenty three from Logan. They got fucking. Dean Charles Chapman, who people may recognize as Tommen from Game of Thrones and and the homie from 1917, you know, like that's that's cool, man. This is, this is a cool cast, bro. Like, I, I'm yeah, I'm just I'm very, very, very intrigued about. Yeah, like, I'm super interested in it, moments. right? Like, like, and I'm curious to like how dark it's gonna be because I feel like this kind of show might end up being dark, like kind of. Could be, yeah. You know, like at least from the title, right? Exactly, right? Like we're dealing with dark side shit, right? Like it's gonna be. Yeah. I I don't know. I I. I, hmm. There's some things I want to say, but some things I don't want to say because I was like, I want to, because obviously we're gonna talk about Andor on an episode in the future, but Andor is pretty fucking different from what we've seen previously. But I was I'm just kind of curious: is this gonna be kind of like not necessarily like Andor, but like kind of. Take a little step from uh, from Star Wars as we know it into like a little bit of a different direction, a little bit, you know. Like I'm curious, so I, I'm really excited yeah. for this show. Yeah, I am too. I I can't wait. I can't, I'm looking forward to the first trailer. You know, I hmm. want to see the whole the High Republic vibe of, of what we're going. With. I I just I'm 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 very excited for this. 2023 is going to bring us a lot of good stuff. Uh, yes. Just speaking of Star Wars terms, we're getting Bad Batch season two to start off the year. We're getting Mando season three in February. We're getting Ahsoka. We're getting the Akaloi. Like, like just that's the Star Wars stuff that we're getting next year. So I'm I'm very excited, you know. Like, like it's gonna be hype. But that'll do it for our TV news. Uh, if you got nothing else to add in, Josh, that will. I that do will not. All right. Move into the movie. Movie news time. It is. Uh, 
let's go ahead and do that then. Uh, cool, cool. So first thing we have here is we have a official trailer for Avatar: The Way of Water. I haven't seen this. I, I haven't was saving it for the podcast. Uh, so yeah, I have not seen it. We're about to check it out right now. Yeah, so uh, if you're ready, okay, let me know we're good and we can uh, we can play. The trailer is I'm two ready. minutes and 28 seconds. So let's check it out. Three, two, one, go. There it is, Avatar The Way of Water in theaters December 16th. So I will say that for me, that doesn't really do much for me. Uh I don't I don't know. Like I also haven't seen the first movie in a like probably since it came out, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm not like the biggest fan. I don't think I don't think it's a terrible movie from what I remember. I I I thought it was just fine. Like I think the, the reason why it was such a big deal is because it was like one of the it was like a big 3D movie, so it's like, oh, you gotta go watch it in 3D and all that, right? But I, I don't mm-hmm. fucking, I don't even like 3D, you know. Like I, as somebody who wears glasses, I don't want to put glasses on top of my glasses. That's stupid, you know. Um, so I never watched it in 3D, so I don't know what that was like. But I did watch the movie eventually, uh, around when it came out, I think, uh, maybe 
sometime after. I don't remember exactly when, but it's been years since I've seen it. This trailer, I mean, I don't know, dude. It's it's like I don't think it looks terrible, but like it doesn't it doesn't like excite me or like it doesn't give me anything for me to like get hype about, you know? It's just like, "All right, here's another Avatar movie." And I I mean, to be honest with you, I'll check it out just cuz I'm curious, you know? Mm-hmm. But like it doesn't it doesn't like I said, it doesn't excite me or make me hype or, or there was nothing in that that I'm like, oh, man, that looks cool. And I need to see that or I want to see that, you know, it's just like I don't even it's been so long since I've seen the first movie that I don't even remember what the fuck is going on or what happened or I don't even know the name. Like, I don't I remember the names of some of the characters, but not all of them. And like how, how like any universe, how much time has passed from from the second movie or from the first to the second because like in real life it's been you know 2009 to 2022 so it's been a very long time in real life but like in in universe how long has it been who knows so i just i i basically have a lot of questions and yeah there isn't really a lot that that i'm like that gets me like hyper or or excited or anything but what 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 say you josh I, I think it's very pretty. Like, I mean, the technology looks like oh, the, absolutely. the CG and all that. Yeah. Like, all that's very pretty. But, like, the story and all that, like, it's an Avatar movie. Like, I don't, I'm not super hype or anything. I'll probably go see it. Like, it looks, you know, I, I like getting to go to the movies and stuff nowadays. But it's not like I'm, I'm not hyped for it. You know, like, it's not, it's not Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever levels of hype for me, which is why I'm going to be seeing, you know, soon, like, which I can't wait to go see, but like Avatar, I like that first movie. You know, I think it's a fine movie. It's enjoyable. It's got its its moments, and there's always world building tips to be learned from 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 those types of things. But yeah, I'm not super hyped for it or anything. I'm not like a massive fan of the franchise. Like, oh god, I can't wait or anything. Like, you know, it's not like that at all. It's I would have been fine if that first movie was the only movie they ever had, and now we're gonna get 500 of these things apparently. So. Yeah, that's kind of what I think about it. It's fine. It's what it is. Which, which is funny because I, I think I read somewhere like, I, th- I want to say it was either yesterday or, or maybe earlier today even, that James Cameron was like ready to end the franchise after the third one if they don't do well, you know? Because mm. eventually, because I think their plan was to make like five or like, like, at least, like another four or five of these movies. But they don't do well like you know in, in theaters and stuff i think like after the third one they can just i think he's like i'm I'll, we can just end it here you know in this trailer so we'll it looks see. like there's time jumps like it looks like there's quite a few time jumps in here because it feels like characters yeah. age uh, like, i was yeah, watching they're, the trailer they're... so and, and i so, was thinking that too because like there looks like there's like children and shit so i was like okay well you know that's why i was asking like so, how, how much time has passed you like know? by the time it seems like by the time they would get to a third or fourth movie, it, you would have almost a completely new pa- cast of characters if they kept doing time jumps and stuff too. So it's like I don't know. Yeah. It's it's. I don't know. I'll probably end up checking it out. I'm sure it's fine. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I, I will check out the second one for sure, and then you know maybe the other ones after that. But oh, I'm gonna rewatch yeah, the first sure. one before I go see it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do too. I'm I'm gonna rewatch the first one because it's been years since I've seen it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not particularly like excited about it or hype about it or anything. It'll just be like, oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll check that out. You know, 
Yeah. Um, and there's also a poster. Oh yeah, that's so cool. Um, poster. She can throw that up too, cause they they did uh, put that out there as well. Um, so it looks like uh, top two are the main characters from the first movie, and then these bottom two are maybe like newer characters for this one, uh, or maybe they weren't. I don't remember to be honest, but that's the way it looks like from to me at least. Uh, so. Maybe that's what that is. Maybe not. But yeah, I mean, there's there's water, so they're going the way of the water. It looks like, and uh, yeah, it's 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 the blue people. So yeah, that 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 looks like a, like an Avatar movie poster for sure. Yep. All right. Moving on from that, we have another trailer. This is a Glass Onion a Knives Out mystery. Uh, I remember we checked out a trailer a teaser for this like a while back. So let's go ahead and check this out now. Uh, on the count of three, two, one, play. Disruptors have assembled. Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prom. I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, Will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. Well, this is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? <laughs> Alibari. Uh, that has a kick. Oh my God, what happened? <gasps> Holy shit! Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a murder, and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. I must insist that nobody touch the body. Jeez, detective, who killed the party? I need to find a motive for murder. Everyone would stab a friend in the back to hold on to this rich bastard. Ooh, 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 killed it. Fucking Dave Bautista, dude. <laughs> Why would anyone commit murder? Are we even going to talk about the elephant in the room? Am I the elephant? Yeah, you're the elephant. You're not that bad. I got a danger here. Are you calling me dangerous? Well, we'll see. Let it all out. Hell yeah! This is reckless. The killer wouldn't hesitate to kill again if it covers their tracks. be really great at clue huh i'm very bad at dumb things ticking boxes running around searching all the rooms it's just a terrible terrible game all right 
until December. December is when it'll be coming out. They're doing a also a, a special like uh sneak uh one week only theatrical sneak peek in uh on November twenty third, but it's coming out in on December twenty third. So yeah. Oh I'm gonna see it. Yeah. It's got Kay Hudson in it. I love her. <laughs> uh, and Dave Batista's uh, in it. Love him. And Daniel Craig, he's great. Edward Norton's great. The cast is kind of has, has, a, has a great cast. Yeah, I'm I'm over here like Jessica Henwick. Yes, yes. Uh, but no, yeah, the cast the cast is pretty good. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll definitely check this one out. First one was was was, was solid. So we'll check this one out as well. Um. Next up, what do we have here? Um, oh, yes, we have this news. Uh, so oh, Disney's yeah. live-action Hercules will be more experimental and inspired by TikTok, says producer Joe Russo. Uh, filmmakers Joe and Anthony Russo are clear that their dedication to their own independent studio, AGBO, uh, means they don't plan to make another Marvel movie anytime soon. Uh, we won't be ready to do anything with Marvel until the end of the decade, uh, Joe Russo says. Uh, they do, however, already have a return with Disney. Through AGBO, they're producing a live-action adaptation of Disney's 1997 animated feature, Hercules, with Guy Ritchie, uh, who did the remake of Aladdin in 2019. Uh, Joe Russo says we have an amazing relationship with them and we've been, that we've built over a decade. I think we have a point of view on how they can stretch the limits of their IP moving forward rather than playing IP management. Whereas many of Disney's recent live action remakes have been faulted for sticking too closely to the source material. Russo says Hercules will be a little bit more experimental in tone and a little bit more experimental in execution. I think they're excited to see what we can all bring to it in a way that isn't just a reinterpretation of the animated film. Richie is currently working on his own pass of screenplay from David Callahan, uh, who also did Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Guy is perfect for it because he has a penchant for experimentation, Russo says. Uh, Russo says the live-action Hercules will also be a musical and share the original's unconventional approach. There are many questions of how, how you translate into a musical, Russo says. Audiences today have been trained by TikTok, right? What is their expectation of what, of what a musical looks like and feels like? That can be a lot of fun and help us push the boundaries a little bit on how you execute a modern musical. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I know you're excited about this one, Josh. You want, Hercules, uh, one of our, the, the original, one of our favorites. One of our favorite Disney uh, uh, animated movies. So here in this news, uh, we're thinking. Um, this sounds like hot garbage. Is what it sounds like to me. Like it's so fucking stupid. It's gonna be experimental. We're gonna be inspired by TikTok. It's a fucking Greek story. It's nothing. What? What does that even mean? I don't even know what the fuck that means. Explain to me what inspired by TikTok means for this fucking stupid fucking piece of shit that you're going to make us watch. 
Like, I don't fucking get it. It's so stupid. It's, it's Hercules. It's fucking Hercules. This is not the movie to experiment with. It's fucking Hercules. It's not hard. It's actually quite fucking easy to do Hercules. What the fuck are these guys smoking over there? And how can I get some? Because you have to be fucking nuts. <laughs> you have to be nuts or high to be. It's going to be inspired by TikTok and it's going to be experimental. Climb off your throne of hundred dollar bills, please. And talk to us like we're fucking normal and not a bunch of idiots staring at TikTok constantly and being brainwashed, please. Because I would like to fucking understand what the fuck you mean. All right. Like, I'm not looking forward to this at all. I'll always have the animated movie. And, like, it, this gives me no hope. No hope for any live-action Disney movie that's based on their animated movies going forward. No hope. None. Zero. Mm. Zip. Zilch. I, I usually reserve judgment for these things. Every word that they said in this article is fucking moronic, and I can't stand it. So there, you got my thoughts. It's a mini rant. There you go. You heard it here. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I don't. I don't know, man. We're we're. I I love the original animated movie. Um, so this is hearing this is a little bit like what, huh? But I don't know, man. We'll have to. I have to wait and see uh, what what who they ca- like, what the cast looks like, what the what the trailer eventually is gonna look like, and then we'll we'll go from there. But yeah, I mean, here hearing this doesn't really inspire uh, hope, you know, for for the for the future of this movie. I will say that, but. Um... I don't know. Not not a whole lot to to say about it, other than it just it doesn't really sound super exciting the way they're going about it. But we can move on from that, and we have some casting news for the next film in the Quiet Place franchise. We have Lupita Nyong'o joining A Quiet Place Day One. Which will be directed by Oscar winner Michael Cernoski. Uh She's in the final negotiations to lead Paramount's A Quiet Place Day One, uh, according to the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, the film is a spin-off of Paramount's A Quiet Place, which in 2018 became a surprise hit in the hands of director and star John Krasinski. It earned a $340.9 million on a $17 million budget. Uh, he directed A Quiet Place Part 2 in 2021, and that earned a $297.3 million uh, around the, on, on that run of that one. Uh, Michael Cernoski, uh after directing Nicolas Cage's Pig movie, will direct, based on an original idea from Krasinski, the story is being kept under wraps, which is due March 8th, 2024. Um... Sorry about that. I had to sneeze real quick. But, uh, yeah. So, 
maybe going to be having uh, Lupita Nyong'o joining the cast. She's in, it says she's in final uh, negotiations here. She's very uh, talented, so I think talent is uh, is good to add on your movie. So I think this is a this is a good 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 get right here for, for that movie if they can get it done. Um. So yeah, that's that's good good stuff right there. Uh, moving on from this, um, we have some movie date shifts from Paramount. So Paramount Pictures has made two major tweaks to its release schedule. Uh, moving the Scream film uh, from March 31st to March 10th, 2023, and pushing back the D&D movie from March 3rd to March 31st. Uh, so they recently had changed up its uh, release strategy for David Damien Chazelle's uh, Babylon, which will open on December 23rd. After initially being set for a limited release on Christmas and then wide release on January 6th. Uh, The new screen will now open with the sci-fi picture 65 starring Adam Driver, Chloe Coleman, and Ariana Greenblatt. Uh, also opening on March 10th is the focused features drama Inside featuring William Defoe. Uh, over on the D&D side of things, uh, its competitors are going to box office competitors are going to be spinning gold with Michelle Monaghan and Jason Isaacs, uh, Sony's boxing movie, heart of a lion with Forrest Whitaker and Zach Braff's drama, a good person starring Florence Pugh and Morgan Freeman. Uh, also a crime picture called a thousand and one for focus. So just a couple of, uh, Dates shifting there for some movies. They're both they're both still coming out the same month, but they're just move they're moving up and down a couple weeks for each one of those. Um, both still coming out in the same month as well, March of twenty twenty three. Last couple things we have here is that uh, we have some casting news for Spider Man across. Spider-Verse. Um, first one, or, or the one that we got here for this, is that Daniel Daniel Kaluuya is going to be joining the cast of that movie. Um, he'll be voicing the, ro the role of Hobart Hobie Brown, a.k.a. Spider-Punk. So Spider-Punk is going to be joining, joining uh, across the Spider-Verse, and he's going to be voiced by Daniel Kaluuya. I think this is a, a, a solid pick because Spider-Punk, uh, I think, is typically portrayed as a, as a British dude. Um, uh, so, yeah, that, that, makes, that makes a whole lot of sense. And getting, getting, a, getting Daniel Kaluuya to play him is, 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 a, is a good choice. 
so I think this is a solid pick for that. And uh yeah, I'm excited to see where uh you know they take this this next movie into. There's been rumors about what other spider people are gonna be appearing in this, and I'm excited about some of those, but they haven't been confirmed, so I won't mention them. But now we know that Spider Punk be one of those being played by Daniel Kaluuya. And uh yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, the movie is set for release on June 2nd, 2023, with a third installment already planned from March 29th, 2024. So you won't have to wait too long uh, for the next one, right after the second one. Uh, the last thing that we have here for the movie news is... Uh, I guess this counts for movie and TV news, but but it's in here because it's also a movie as well as a TV show. But Netflix is going to be making a Gears of War movie and animated series. So one of the most popular Xbox games of all time, Gears of War, is heading over to Netflix. Uh, they're making they're they're making a feature film adaption followed by an adult animated animated series based on the sci-fi shooter. Uh, they announced earlier today. They also noted that there's potential for more stories to follow. Uh, video game developer The Coalition, who took reins on the Gears of War after Microsoft acquired the rights to the series from, from original creator Epic Games, has partnered with Netflix on the upcoming adaptions, or adaptations, rather. Uh, the first Gears of War came out on the Xbox 360 in 2006 and followed a macho team of soldiers called delta squad fighting against the locust horde a subterranean alien race that decimates humanity uh the main squad consisted of marcus phoenix dominic santiago augustus cole and damon baird uh they use a variety of heavy duty weapon firearms rocket launchers and lancers which are rifles with chainsaws attached to them to dispatch locust swarms uh, there's five main entries and several spin-offs uh, that have been released over the years. Uh, and yeah, this this news comes on the 16th anniversary of the original game. And there's been previous attempts to bring Gears of War to the big screen. Uh, New Line Cinema had br briefly had the rights to a film adaptation in 2007, uh, but Scott Stuber, now head of original films at Netflix, uh, came on as producer in 2015 with Epic Games. Universal then hired F. Scott Frazier to write an adaptation in 2018. But no other moves were made. Netflix did not announce any film was attached to its adaptation. But here we go. Gears of War finally getting uh, a movie and uh, animated series. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm personally, I'm not. I never played any of those games. Me neither. So I don't really have like the attachment to them that like xbox you know faithful do um so this doesn't really do much for me but i mean I'm, i might check it out like i never played the game so i mean i'll, I'll watch the show and, and and the movie why not um well yeah i think uh, i just think it's cool that, that we're getting more and more video game adaptations in general you know the hope now is that they're good um because We've had, we've had we've had a lot of ones we've had a lot and they're not 
all the best. Some some are better than others. Some are just straight dog shit. So you know, we're hoping for 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 good things here. Even even for stuff that we don't really necessarily care for, because in the end, or, or you know, not care for, or be too strong on, or, or feel too strongly on, because in the end, they're still all video games. Uh. Um. And and having more video game adaptations is, is, is you know a good thing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. But that'll do it for our video, or, or not only video game news, but movie news and TV news all all together. Just the news in general. We're done for this week. Uh, any any final thoughts on any of the stuff we talked about, Josh? Before we head into our break here. No, I'm I'm good to keep on rolling into our break and then to come back and do our our D and D stuff. So. We'll be right back, guys. Uh, I'll run some ads on break. I'll put some music on. And for YouTube, this will be immediate. And then we'll be right back. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Clockwork Cantina. Sorry for the little bit of an extended break there. Had to do some, some stuff really quick at home. Uh, but we're going to move into the second half of the show here, which is we're going to hop into some D&D topics, some discussion on some things. So I'll go ahead and throw up the the, the main topic uh, text there, uh, which will be safety tools and world building. The first thing we're going to do is safety tools. And I don't know how long we're going to spend on this, but, you know, it, it is what it is. If we, if we feel like we should end after the safety tools section, we will. If not, we will do a little bit of world building. I know I don't want to keep DT here super long, and I don't want to stay necessarily too long either. DT, I'm going to send you a couple things here. So you All can right. look as I look. So, boom, boom, boom. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, I want to say, when was this tweet? Around October 24th. So, for those of you that have been here long enough, I'm sure you've heard of the company, <clears throat> or me mentioned the company MCDM, or Matt Colville. Um... Uh, it was a, a DM and like world builder and, and content creator on YouTube as well as like a former game dev worked on uh, mercenaries and stuff like that, I believe. Uh, so they released something that I think is very important uh, that we are going to talk about called the MCDM Tabletop Safety Kit. So you can get it for free over on their Patreon. And what it is, is uh, I'll read you the tweets here. I I can't even show it to you, really. It says, say hello to the MCDM Tabletop Safety Toolkit, which you can get for free right now. This guide and checklist will make your D&D and other tabletop RPG adventures more fun for everyone. If you're unfamiliar with safety tools for tabletop RPGs, this is a great introduction. The link is below, and I will post the tweet in the chat for you guys that want to see it. And we're going to go through... um, some of the safety toolkit, um, and and by no means, uh, like they say it in the tweet, it's like ours. Our toolkit isn't the first. It is influenced by projects like uh, TTRPG Safety Kit from Kiana Shaw and Lauren Bryant Monk, and Consent and Gaming from Monty Cook Games. Both are excellent resources that you may also find helpful. Um, so when we're when we are sitting at like our tabletop table, right? Like to play an RPG. Um, we are sometimes at our most vulnerable with each other, right? We're, 
we're letting you into our worlds and our characters, and and we're and we're giving you permission to to role play with each other and and to and to not try not to take advantage of each other's trust because there should be trust at the table. I always start off. DT knows that when we start playing a new game of any kind, I always do a, like a little speech, you know, uh, for people that are new, like hey. Here's what's acceptable at this table. Here's what's not acceptable at the table. Even though we're playing online, I still call it the table because that is essentially what we're doing. We're the virtual the table. table. The virtual table. Exactly. We're sitting there. We're tagging each other and, and role playing with each other. Um, so the, the safety checklist is a big list of things. And, and what it is is that you can send this to your players, right? And they can check off what is what is okay at the table, what should only be alluded to at the table, what is never okay for that character, and as a note section. But what we're going to open up first is the this, the actual safety tool tip, because this is the one that breaks down um, the safety tools. And you guys can get this for free and, and follow, us, follow along at home. Um, let me see if I can actually open this... So we're looking at the see the toolkit, right? The toolkit, yep, the toolkit, the All safety right. toolkit. Making sure not to open up the checklist yet. Yeah, and and we'll, I'm gonna try to get it on like the the screen for you guys right now. And we're gonna we're just gonna read through it and talk about some of it and why it's important and uh, and stuff like that. All credit to the MCDM guys that put this together. All credit to the authors that I think is credited in here. And I will try to find the credits uh, for you guys as well. So, because I, I want everybody to be, it's very important that when you're at a table role playing with each other and playing the game, right? When you're playing Dungeons and, and Dragons, it's important that we take care of each other and are, and are safe. Especially because there are a lot of horror stories out there. I'm sure some of you have had them. Some of them have been documented mm. documented on Twitch before, and you can watch just terrible, awkward, and just awful things in the videos so like it, it's a thing that happens sometimes it happens by accident sometimes it happens on purpose because somebody thinks something's funny that is not funny it is it is uncomfortable so we're going to talk about it right here we're going to get into this um so the mcdm tabletop safety toolkit if you've ever stopped mid-roll play to say wait sorry is this description too gruesome let me fast forward to the part where they're dead or ask your gm how goofy can we get because I'm thinking of naming my ro rogue Harold Coins and basing him on Roger Rabbit? And then congratulations, you've inadvertently maybe used RPG safety tools. Safety tools, the X card, lines and veils, and others, are simply ways to formalize the process of getting everyone at the table on the same page about the topics and themes you'll be exploring as you play. Which I think is very, uh, it's very important to have everybody on the same page. In terms mm -hmm. of that stuff, you know, you want to make sure people are comfortable at the virtual table, so to speak, or the or the or the real table if you're playing in person, um, and just you know make everybody feel like they're in a safe space, uh, in terms exactly. of like what what you know they're not you're, you don't want to catch anybody off guard doing something that they weren't expecting or they're not comfortable you know experiencing or or whatever. You know, so this is just a good good way to make sure that everyone around the table 
is comfortable and and feel safe and 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 is having a good time um you know together as a unit um but yeah continue Josh exactly like um like things can get emotional at the table cuz you're connected to your characters right like i am even me as a dm i'm connected to some of my npcs i'm connected to every single player character there like we've talked about it and there are moments where things get can get a little hot and heated but Never like, never in a, to the point where it's like, oh man, I hate, you know. I'm just gonna use DT here because he's as a, he's in the fucking chat with me. It's like, I'm I'm, not, I'm never gonna be like, man, I hate DT. How dare he do that with his character? I'm, I'm, it's never like that. It's more like, man, that was intense, right, guys? Like with that, I can't believe Jedrick pulled that stunt maneuver off and and killed that dude. Man, how intense, you know? Like that that kind of yeah. fucking emotion, right? So. Let's read some of this, uh, the, the why use safety tools. Because boundaries are good, safety isn't just about staying physically safe from harm. It also means staying emotionally, staying emotionally, mentally, and psychologically safe. In a social game where we spend a lot of time playing a fictional character, safety tools give us a way to communicate our own likes and dislikes, comforts and discomforts. These tools minimize the likelihood that your role-playing game will veer into territory that makes someone feel unsafe or uncomfortable. They provide a framework for how to deal with those moments if they do occur and set an intention to prioritize the comfort and fun of everyone at the table. All of these things together set us up for rich storytelling and gaming experiences. For example, if you play a horror game and discuss the topics and themes everyone is okay with and not okay with, you know what you can learn what you can lean really hard into and tell an awesome, creepy story while avoiding the yeah. stuff that people don't want to touch. Exactly. So, it, it, yeah, so even, yeah, even like it's like it's there, even that could help you with, with the direction of your story, you know? Exactly. And um, there's one thing I want to address, and I should have done it when we started this, is like when we first started the RPG world building uh, parts of our podcast, right? Like we do every once in a while. Yeah. I, I when we first started, we didn't really talk about safety tools, and it was and and honestly, I had never really given much thought about safety tools because I always we always talk before the game, right? I've never really thought about how important it is to getting it out there to you guys that are familiar with it. So I'm actually yeah. really glad that that MCDM has put this out so we can address it now in this world building session because it is a very important thing. Um, so that was just the one thing uh, I wanted to uh, talk about. So. Yeah. Let's talk about incorporating safety tools. The way you approach and incorporate safety tools into your game depends on multiple factors, like whether you're playing with friends or strangers, or tucking into an ongoing campaign versus a one-shot. The good news is that safety tools are modular and flexible, and can be implemented in a ton of ways. If you want to introduce safety tools into a campaign that hasn't started yet, start with the following Session Zero section. If you are introducing safety tools into a campaign that's already underway, skip ahead to the recommended safety tools. So let's just go ahead and start with the um, session zero. Um, session zero is the session your group holds before you start actually playing the campaign. It can, be, it can be facilitated by the GM, another player, or a combination of people at your table. Session zero is a great time to hammer out all kinds of details about your campaign, from the administrative details like scheduling and snacks, the story stuff, like what players can expect from the campaign. Mm -hmm. This is an exhaustive guide to planning a session zero, 
but an overview and focus on topics related to safety and comfort. Campaign details. Whether the GM is running a published adventure, a campaign in a homebrew world, or some combination, talking about expectations for the campaign and style of play is a must for any Session Zero. The Cats Method by Patrick O'Leary is great for getting everyone on the same page. The GM explains and discusses the following ideas about the campaign with the players. Concept. The campaign's high-level overview. For example, you might say, in this game, you'll play kids in an alternate version of the 1980s running around your small town solving mysteries. Stranger Things. Like Stranger Things, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is aim. What the player characters are trying to accomplish. After that, tone. Is this game serious, goofy, gonzo, dramatic, spooky, or something else? And lastly, subject matter. What kind of subjects are likely to come up during gameplay? Ending on subject matter is great because it leads the group directly into a conversation about safety tools. Moving on, gameplay expectations. If you don't touch on it while using cats, make time to go over what the game requires the players in terms of things like bookkeeping, math, tracking resources, drawing maps, and other works. Ideally, the GM or other players can offer to support those who want or need assistance with these parts of the game. Yeah. Obviously, I help. You know, when, 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 my, when my players need something, uh, they often come to me like, like, like if they need a, maybe they need a map or maybe they need a character sheet or maybe they need me to help them um, keep track of something uh, uh, like one of their spell uses or something. They can always come to me and talk to me about that and I will obviously help and support them. And it's the same the other way around. If I if I have to go to them and be like, man, can you can you help me keep track of uh, of, uh, of the math here? Like, you know, it doesn't happen often because we're playing online. Obviously, this tool the tool safety kit is for online or physical play, which is why they're talking about like, you know, scheduling, bookkeeping, math, and tracking the snacks all our, and all that shit. Yeah. yeah, all our virtual stuff is always like uh, automatically kept track of for the most part but you know you never know when that can come in handy you might play a game in person um of course so let's talk about logistics like safety tools figuring out logistics is part of making sure everyone has fun some things to go over how often you plan to meet how long sessions will be and whether there will be breaks during sessions the best medium for communicating when someone's running late or has to cancel. What happens if one or more players can't make it to the session? For in-person games, discuss who's hosting, how you'll handle meals or snacks. For in-person games, discuss any COVID-19 protocols, masks, rapid testing, before meeting, etc. For online games, discuss what virtual tabletop and voice chat you'll use, whether video is optimal, encouraged, or required and whether side discussions in chat during roleplay are okay. So there's some things in this list that I don't even think we've even really talked about in some of our D&D games, Daniel. Like, we haven't really mentioned what happens if, if one or more players can't make it to the session, right? Like, often what happens is we, we tend to improvise or, or we end up just canceling that session, but we've never really sat down and talked about it before we started a game or a campaign or something, right? Like, yeah. Um, 
But so it is a thing to think about. Um, in the future, I will try to think about that more. Um, uh, the, for in-person stuff, we don't, I have never really done much in-person gaming other than like, uh, <clears throat> when we were at WaveCon, right? Like that was the first time really in forever that I had run like a physical Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, and obviously there was food and that was like a, a whole different kind of set of worms there. But if you are somebody in, in the do in-person games, uh, the, the discussing who's hosting the game and, you know, how you'll handle food and snacks. Because listen, you're sitting there playing the game. You're in person. You want chips, right? You want, you want like maybe a soda or, or some water or something, right? You, yeah, you might yeah, be yeah. the game sessions are long, right? So you need to have things to drink. Get some food. At eat. some point, maybe yeah. if you go on long enough, you're like, yo, who's, who's going to go get us food or who's going to order food or whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it's a thing to talk about. Uh, and yeah. it's very important for, for in person uh, games. Yeah. Um, uh, for online games, this, you know, we 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 talk about uh, things like video chat. We don't usually do video chat when we play tabletop because it can be not weird. It's just like not all of us are comfortable being on camera yeah. and doing our voices. And we make like I make some funny faces when I'm doing voices for NPCs. Right? I'm like I don't know how comfortable I am with everybody seeing my lips upturned, my nose squinted up, and like you know, like it's a comfort thing, right? Um, but we have streamed our games here, and that's one thing that's not in the logistics, is like, we've streamed our games on Twitch before. And that's a thing that we always talk about before we before we stream a game. It's like, hey, if we do this, are you okay with being streamed on Twitch if we do a stream one day? And like, most people are usually okay with it when we talk about yeah. it. But yeah, that's a thing we talk about. Um, I think it'd be cool at some point if we do a game with like cams on and everything and you know we stream yeah. and all that. That'd be, that'd be dope. I'm definitely not opposed to that. That would be a lot of fun. Um, let's move on to comfort and accessibility. Have a conversation about what everyone at the table needs to make it comfortable and accessible. Some ways to make your time together more comfortable for people. Make it clear that it's okay to get up and stretch or move away when they need to. Yeah. Let people knit, crochet, draw, color, or otherwise occupy their hands during play. Notice how I am messing with this stick I found outside while I was on break. I am always, I am somebody that fidgets with things. Like, you'll see me. You guys have all seen it. I know you have. I've told DT a million times I need an emote of it. I need a rocking chair. I need a rocking chair emote. <laughs> I rock back and yeah. forth all the time. I can't help it. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, just, you're rocking back and forth all the time, yeah. It's just what I do, man. It's 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 it helps me stay focused. It's weird to to, to uh, explain, but it's just it's just part of who I. It's part of who makes me me, right? Like if it, if it distracts people, I apologize for that. But it, it almost happens subconsciously. I can't I can't help it. Um. So yeah, that's a thing you can uh, to talk about. You can allow phones or tablets at the table for anyone who is using them to take notes, or to keep their hands occupied with apps for fidgeting. Discuss this with your table to make sure that everyone has what they need and uses devices responsibly in a way that doesn't distract them or other players from the game. So yeah, like, again, the phones and tablets thing doesn't matter as much for us. We're, we're all online. It's all right there. I don't care if you check your phones or tablets at the table for the most part. You know, it happens. All I ever ask is that you're, you're kind of prepared for your turn. That's all. The goal here 
isn't to anticipate everything people might need, but to make it clear that everyone should feel safe and comfortable asking for what they need to enjoy and engage with the game. GT, if you don't have anything on comfort and accessibility, we can move right along to... Um, no, I mean, mm -hmm. I think for, for that kind of stuff, I think it makes sense, yeah. Like, all of that is just, yeah, like, obviously the in-person stuff doesn't really apply to us as much, but... Yeah, I think it it all goes back to like at the at, at the top of what we were talking about in the beginning. Like it's just important to um from the get go, just with once you have your the people that you're gonna be playing with, you kinda go over the things that they need to make them uh, you know, comfortable and 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 and, and, and just whatever they need, like 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 accessibility wise. Yeah. for the game you know or like for it's because because you know playing D D, like it's fun but yeah it it, it goes on for hours man it, it sometimes you know they it varies like sometimes it'll be longer than than some sessions will be longer than others but like you know you're still there for at least a, f a few hours so you, you gotta have things that you know you're you're gonna you're going to be like, you're going to need, or you're going to be comfortable with for, for, you know, a certain amount of time that you're going to be playing with. So mm -hmm. all that makes sense to me. Um, I think yeah, it's, it's definitely like something that like, if you're going to have a, a, a group of people, like for a campaign, you're playing for a long time, definitely should be discussed very, of, you know, very, very much, uh, of high importance. Um, so yeah, no, all that, all that absolutely, absolutely makes sense to me. So, yeah. All right. Moving into talk safety tools. Discuss huh. the various tools you plan to use in your campaign. And tell players how they work. If you're sending out a survey or using a checklist for lines and veils, you may wish to do that before session zero, so you can discuss any details and make sure the group is aware of the lines and veils in play. No matter which tools your tables use, the goal of any session zero or conversation about safety is establishing an environment of open communication where people's feel where people feel comfortable talking about their boundaries. Wrap up. After you've talked through the safety tools and completed the safety checklist, if your table is using it, you can discuss anything else you or anyone at the table might want to go over in more depth or that hasn't come up so far. When everyone feels ready to get started, it's time to wrap up session zero and start playing. Remind your group that you can come back to safety tools and add to or change them as they fit throughout the campaign. Moving on to recommended safety tools. Using any safety tool is better than none, but having multiple in place provides the most robust safety for your table because they all work hand in hand with one another. Of course, you and your table are the best play people to decide what you want to use and how to use them. Maybe you'll want to use certain tools and not others, or parts of some and not parts of others. Don't feel like you have to make all of these decisions at once. You can, dis you can discuss as a table and you can even add safety tools or take them away as your campaign goes on. Once you've introduced the tools, explain exactly how they're used. Folks at your table might have, a different, might have different levels of familiarity and comfort with them. It might also help for the GM or whoever's facilitating the table safety to give some examples of how they're used in play to model and normalize their use. If you're not sure how to introduce safety tools, Maybe because you've been playing with a group of friends for a long time, 
and haven't used them before, like us. Uh, or because you're playing with a totally new people and aren't sure how to broach the topic. Remember that these tools are there to be used in whatever ways are best for you and your table. That might mean choosing a tool you like and introducing it to the group, or sharing a safety checklist or Google form where people can fill in things they do and do not want to see in their game. There, lines and veils. You can adapt any of the tools below to feel right for your group and still get a lot out of them. So the first thing we're gonna talk about is lines and veils. Created by Ron Edwards, Lines and Veils allows everyone to state what topics and themes they'd like to exclude or limit in play. Lines are any topics or themes that should be excluded entirely from the game. Veils are topics or themes that can exist in the game, but are not explored during roleplay and only happen off screen. Lines and Veils are typically established during session zero, but can be added to at any time. For example, if the table has decided that there is a line for torture, that means that torture doesn't exist in the game story and should never come up. On the other hand, if there is a veil for torture, it means that torture may exist in the story, but that it will never be described by the GM or players. It may be referenced, but that's it. Yeah, so in, in other words, like you could say, if, if, if torture is a veil, you could, you could, they could, or the GM could say, for example, we're playing a game with our group, Josh is our GM, and we've, we've we as a as a party or as a group have decided that where torture's not not a line because you know you know it, it can still happen so it, it can be a veil right mm -hmm. but instead of Josh going into full detail talking about this you know this person's torture and, and whatnot you can just say oh this person torture did happen this this person this person was tortured but you know. Basically, what we need to know happened, like, like, like. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, he'll let us know that that happened, but he's not going to go into the details of what happened exactly. or, or any of that stuff. You know, like, yeah. I probably would never do that anyway. And that's the thing. Like, I think people need to understand about the the GM toolkit. The toolkit is not saying, man you're going to talk about these things, right? It's not saying, like, you're going to talk about somebody being, you know, tortured in depth like that. But it's just saying if it happens yeah. to come up, you know, like, we're not going to get into too uh, too many details on, on it exactly. Like, it's... Right. Uh, it's not accusing you of, like, you're going to do this in your game. It's just, you know... And there's, it's a, it's a and there's other... There's other heavy shit like that, too, right? Like, like, mm -hmm. like fucking, you know like rape and and a bunch of other like heavy mm -hmm. topics that that people are not necessarily comfortable with that they'll draw lines at or, or you know veils to right like so that's why it's important to kind of get with your get with your gm get with your party and every everybody involved in the game and kind of talk about the shit you know beforehand and yeah maybe like before you meet up for session zero maybe like throw up like a google doc of like what are what things are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? And then you can talk about it in more detail once you group up for session zero. You know something funny, DT? We already kind of use lines and veils with a friend of ours, Paula. It's true. Right? It's true. Yeah, we do. Paula does not like a certain creature, right? Now that creature exists in the world. So that 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 can't be a line. Lines would mean it wouldn't exist, but it is a veil. And the way we address this particular creature is we call them redacted. So we don't call them by redacted. their name. 
We call them redacteds when we're in voice chat and we might see this particular uh, critter running around. We're like, oh man, redacteds over here. If Paula's around, we like to be respectful of Paula's, you know, phobia or whatever, or one of our phobias. I have, I don't like being in high split places. I'll tell you that right now. Like that shit fucking messes with my head. But what I'm saying is like, you know, it's an example of like yes. lines and veils. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. we already use this tool. We just don't use it in a tabletop setting necessarily. We use it in a voice chat setting where we're playing video in games. A, in, a, in, a, in a real life setting. Exactly. And I didn't think about it until this exact moment where I was like, lines and veils. We already use this. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, that's lines and veils. And that's just one example of that, that you can, mm -hmm. you know, that like for us, we use it in our everyday lives or, or whatever, but you can use to also incorporate into your, your tabletop gaming. So there you go. Exactly. The safety checklist. One way to approach lines and veils is to use a checklist preloaded with topics and themes that are things people commonly limit or limit or eliminate from a game. Although the checklist has a bunch of stuff already listed, the GM and players should add necessary or should add items as necessary. You can use the MCDM's checklist provided at the end of this guide. So we can talk about that at the end. The checklist, yeah, yeah. Or we can check at it now, because that, that is technically the end of, the, of that guide. So if we want to look over at the checklist, DT. Sure, actually, yeah. PDF, that's, that's, let's do that. Because I don't want to get too far away from lines and veils before we, before we talk about it. So Yeah, let's do it. So, so we got yeah, the tabletop see, safety so checklist. Just brief looking over it like like scanning over it like briefly skimming it over this seems like yeah it's a good it's a good little checklist here so josh take it away all right let's read the opening line here that says this is a list of topics and themes that people often consider with care or eliminate or eliminate from fiction from the fiction entirely lord during tabletop games it doesn't anticipate every topic or theme or every iteration of a topic or theme so feel free to add your own using the notes section column as needed to provide more context. To use the checklist, check line or veil in any row if the topic slash theme is a hard line for you. It should not exist in the world of game. Or so, hold up, let me read let me reread that. To use the checklist, check the line or veil box in any row if that topic slash theme is a hard line for you. It should not exist in the world of the game. Or veil. It can exist in the world of the game. But it should not be described or role-played at the table and remains off-screen. Yes. You can also mark not my PC for any topic or theme that you're fine with having in the story as long as it doesn't impact your character. Mm -hmm. So DT, do you want to read the uh, you want to read the horror so, section for I'll, us for some of the lines? I'll go else? into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we have the first section is the horror part. And we have apocalypses, blood, body horror, Demons, gore, injury to certain body parts, please specify, which you can do so in the notes section there on the side. And then mind control, serial killers, vampires, and zombies. And for each and every one of those, you can either mark it a line, veil, not my PC, and then add a couple notes there to your, you know, to your liking of, you know, if you want to add any other bits of information there. So yeah, that's uh I feel like there might be more, but I just can't think of them off the top of my head that you could probably add to the horror section. But but I think this seems like a like a pretty good like starting starting point, right? Like a general 
point of like, yeah, these are all horror things that, you know, are people okay with apocalypses, with, you know, with blood, with demons, gore? Some people may not be the biggest fans of gore, so they'll, you know, they, they may not want to deal with, you know, may not want to have to, you know, directly deal with that or, or whatever. So maybe they'll mark mm-hmm. it as a veil or, you know, uh, serial killers. Maybe, maybe that's a line they don't want to, you know, have to deal with at all or, you know, no zombies. Mind control. Maybe that's a line. No zombies. No zombies yeah. in this world don't exist. Impossible. They can't. They never heard of. Never existed. You know. Same with yeah. vampires. All right. I will read some of the fears and traumas because these are uh, a little heavier. So I want to be the one to read those for you guys. I'm not going to put that on our boy DT. So I will read these fears and traumas. We have abduction. Bugs, rats, snakes, spiders, redacted. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Redacted. Paula, Paula's not here, so I'm going to say the actual name. Um, spiders. Uh, claustrophobia, dehydration, drowning, hypothermia, involuntary commitment, uh, fire, starvation, suffocation, domestic violence, sexual violence, gaslighting, as well as imperialism and or colonialism, military violence or aggression, police violence or aggression, uh, prison, terrorism, torture, and trifophobia, I guess is how you pronounce it. I am not exactly sure how you pronounce it, but it is the fear of holes, which I don't have that phobia, but I have heard of it before. Trifophobia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are fears and traumas. Obviously, a line for me would be the the sexual violence will never. I've said it a million times. Whenever we start the game, will never be in any of my games ever. It will not exist. I will not allow it. Um. Uh, but yeah, it it goes into great dip, depths over like your fears and and traumas and things over here. So, um. It's uh. Uh, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot of like uh, yeah. things that that you yeah. that can possibly be bad, right? Like, you know, we've talked about the redacteds. Um, you know, and it it could trigger something at the table. Somebody having a a, a moment. You know, like it's it, yeah, it's best to, to to fill these out. So, DT, do you want to do the 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 next one, or do you want I'll me to do, do the next one? Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll do the next one. Yeah. So what we got for the next one is we have hate speech, discrimination, and violence based on disability, gender, heritage, land of origin, race or ancestry, religion, sexuality, and weight or size. So those are some other ones you can draw a line or veil to, uh, uh, depending on how you feel about each and one of those. Each and every single one of those. Race well, or ancestry is probably the one that you will actually encounter, I feel like, the most because in the world of D&D, of multiple races, right? Multiple yeah, there's, uh, there's ancestries. Many. Like, it's very easy for, like, one particular group not to like another set of group and to have derogatory terms for them. Um, I've used them in, in D&D games before, but I never thought about it being a line or veil. That, that might be crossed. So it being here is important for me and it would be important for people at the table that might find that uncomfortable that I've never really thought about before, to be honest, like 
Yeah. Um, we experience things in our lives as we grow and, and we see things every day. And I'm talking about real life here, not just in like D&D, but like that can have a profound impact on how we react to things in fiction, right? Like, um, uh, like, uh, I can't read a book that might have like a, a sexual assault in it. Like it happens in some books and I, if the moment that happens in a book, I have to put it away. Um, you know, it, it, it just triggers something in me that I can't, I can't keep reading a book or, or, or something like that. It's hard for me to watch movies that might have that in it or something. So I'm using that as an example here and, and like things, how they affect us both in real life and in, and, um, <clears throat> and in, uh, in, in our fiction. Right. So, uh, moving on, we have health and body. So we have addiction. Alcohol, amputation, cancer, dementia, drugs, in quotes, insanity, mental illness, uh, paralysis, PTSD, self-harm, smoking, uh, suicide, vehicle crashes, um, and, and uh, vomit. vomit. Uh, so, like... One on here that's that's kind of scary for me is dementia. Like the thought of of I kind of losing becoming a prisoner in my own mind is kind of how I've often looked at dementia, right? Because like you forget kind of who you are and 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 stuff a lot. And I have a bad memory. DT knows this, so there is like like a fear in my body about dimension now it's not enough that i would draw it as a line or even a veil but for somebody it might be for somebody with a history with drugs might it, it needs to be a line for them you know like they need it not mentioned to them because it's it's something they've dealt with in the past and they don't want to relive that experience when they're trying to have fun at the table and that's the most important thing is having fun or maybe at the table or maybe they know somebody in real life that yeah. has to go through that and they just don't want to you know they don't want to have to go through that again you know Exactly. So those are some of the lines and veils for the health and body there. What do we have next, DT, if you want to continue on to the, uh, the next page? So the next thing that we have here is we have pregnancy, uh, which is either, or which includes abortion, childbirth, miscarriage, pregnancy complications, and stillbirth. These are all very... Del delicate topics, yes. uh, especially in real life at the moment as well. Mm -hmm. um, so this is one that you definitely, I mean, you all, all of these are very important, but like also this one is another one that's very, you have to be very, very, uh, you know, careful with because you don't want to upset anybody. So exactly. Uh, and it's why definitely. I'm glad it's on the checklist, especially now when it's so yeah. uh, important. Today's day and age. Yeah. Exactly. Our current times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, next, we have threats to animals, children, and elders. Some people uh, react to threats to these things, so it's important that uh, uh, to establish what is okay and okay, not okay at the table. Um, uh, same as like harm or violence to animals, children, and elders. I'm just going to throw that in there as well. 
DT, what do we have uh, next? Uh, we're on the natural disasters one. Yes. Which includes earthquakes, floods, storms, tsunamis, or wildfires. Again, uh, there may be people that have maybe, unfortunately, have to have experienced some of these maybe. So you want to kind of uh, avoid that. If, if if possible, uh, and this is you know where where they can state that, um, because yeah, I mean you know nature is uh, you know can can be can be fucked up and 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 you know yeah, these are just some of the options of things yeah and 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 you know they give you some pretty. Uh, Again, there might be more that are not on here, but I think that's those are pretty much the the big ones, right? Yeah. In terms of like natural disasters, so yeah. The next one is an important one for me because DT knows I love romance, and and, romance. and I want it in my games, uh, although it doesn't happen very often. Um, it is very important though that you treat romance very delicately because not everybody at the table is going to be comfortable with that. It can be very uncomfortable at times. Let me yeah. tell you when KT was like, okay, turned to me and said, seduce me when I was trying to romance an NPC <laughs> character, obviously it was funny and it was joking and stuff too. And if it had been somebody else, they might've reacted differently than I did. Instead, I just joked and seduced him <laughs> with, with my NPC, yeah. with my player character. But you know what I mean? Like it's very important that you don't make people uncomfortable. And if you do, like, it, 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 it's always going to, I think it's always going to be a little awkward because we're, you know, because you kind of can't help it. But yeah. It's still funny. You know, like, it's still yeah. a, a thing important. It says, it's romance. So, is light flirting, <laughs> horny flirting between PCs, between NPCs, between PCs and NPCs. So... Obviously, I like romance, so uh, yeah, I wouldn't have an issue with most of any of this stuff, really, for for me personally. Um, yeah. But some other people might not like romance. They might not like an NPC necessarily flirting with their character. They might not like another PC flirting with flirting with their character. So it's very important that uh, we draw the lines and veils with romance, and it it might not even come up in 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 D and D games unless romance is something that is important to you and in a, in a, in a new your character like yeah yeah i left yeah, the best I, I for the... last for you dt so have enjoyed. oh uh, where, are, where are we at <laughs> oh sexual content oh boy you know this is a you know where we, we we have the uh the this is this is a, a a safety checklist but where's where's the uh Where's the opposite end of that, man? Where's the like sign me up? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, here we go with the with this one. So we have jokes about sex or genitalia, kissing, having sex between PCs, between PCs and NPCs. So much like the romance one, it, this is kind of pretty much the same, but mm -hmm. you know, it's it's obviously just you know not just romantic, but it's you know sexual, uh, you know content obviously so yeah um you yeah so we have uh joking about it 
Yeah, then you just go kissing, and then you just go full on doing doing the act, and then like, all right, between players, between players and NPCs. So, yeah, that's uh, these these last two kind of go a little bit, a little hand in hand there, a little bit. But you know, you don't you don't have to you don't have to have romance for there to be you know some fucking, but but they're kind of you know some of them go into you know can go into each other, uh, you know not not necessarily but but uh you know they they, they can kind of kind of blend and also i did not mean for that to go the way that that did but it did so it's hey it is what it is you're welcome here's the thing there are games cyberpunk i'll throw out there that are very mm-hmm. sexual at moments in nature um i yeah. mean from the moment you start playing the game you make your character you pick size and, and 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 everything like that about your genitals yeah. right so like and there are out there i would never be comfortable being a part of them but uh there are very sexually explicit dungeons and dragons games out there that are you know look what you do with your own time is up to you right and it's important to have your safeties and boundaries no matter what game you're playing with them so the safety checklist is nice to have. It has all the options on here. The ones that are heavy, the ones that are light, the one like there's heavy things in here. And I appreciate it being handled delicately and 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 with finesse and and just even in the checklist. It's not a lot of joking in it. It's it's just uh, or at all really. It is these are important like take them seriously. We also have other here, which is like, you can fill in anything that's not above and make it a line or veil and, and notes as well. So very extensive checklist. I will probably use this in the future. Um, some ways I would use this is I would send this out to my players. Uh, I would try to do it anonymously, but I feel like it'd be kind of hard if you're if you're sending it through Discord or something like that. So I'd probably try to find a way for So it could be done anonymously if somebody wanted to to point out like because i don't want to put like pressure on anybody to be like oh mm. they're gonna know about this about me or anything like that right i don't do maybe do it like anonymously or whatever i would rather it be done kind of anonymously and and that way you know it, obviously if you're gonna pick not my pc i kind of have to know who the pc is so that's kind of not going to be anonymous but yeah um for the most part i think it would be you can tell me if you want to know if you if you're okay with telling me who you are and filling this out, but I would probably try to do it anonymously just because I like to respect people, and 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 that's their hangups and, and yeah. well, not hangups, but like their traumas. And, so yeah, and, you and fears. you you give them the option like you can do it anonymously or you can do it uh, you know not if you're comfortable with doing that. Exactly, know? I don't want an outside pressure on them to be like, man, Josh is going to know this stuff about me. Like no, yeah, because I don't know who it is if you don't tell me, and I want you. It's there is trust between DM Definitely. and player, right? And I would never want to violate that for anybody, right? Now, if you tell me that anything you told me in this check, checklist and you're okay with me knowing who you are, it will never go beyond me. You know, I, I will never share this with anybody. It will, I will, I will keep the checklist obviously for the duration of the campaign and then I'm going to throw it out because it is your trust. And the trust that the players have in me at that table is absolutely the most important thing to me at that table. It is important that you have fun 
and it's important that you understand that I am there to, to help facilitate that fun and that you feel safe having that fun at the table, right? So uh, trust is very important. In a game like this where we, we, we pour our hopes, some of our hopes, some of our fears into these characters, I, a lot of times, first-time D&D players are... They pour a lot of themselves and who they really are into their characters, and it has to be treated delicately. Um, sometimes people go off the wall and are totally somebody totally different from who they are in real life. But I found most of the time, the first time, and I'm I'm somebody that is very much like, if you're going to play D and D, I want you to play it for the first time with me. I want to be the DM for you. This was very important to me. It happened at WaveCon. It's happened on the Discord. I've told people, if this is your first time playing D&D, let me be your DM. Because I feel like I'm going to give you a good experience, and I'm going to be very gentle with, the, with anything that you come up with in, uh, in, during the course of play, and to help ease you into being comfortable easing out from, spreading out from that first character. Because that first character is like, we pour so much of ourselves into it. I did it when I was the first time player. I poured a lot of myself into that, into that character, right? So... You put it, it, yeah. it's an important thing. All right, we're going back to the other page here, the um the safety toolkit. We're going to look at the X card now. Um so the X card is a tool created by John I am going to butcher your last name, sir, and I apologize. Stavropolios. Stavropolios. Stavropolis. Severopolis, is that how? Oh, yeah, Polis. I guess that's how you'd say it. Yeah. Uh, John, if I butchered your name, I apologize. Uh, that allows anyone at the table to remove content from the game that makes them uncomfortable with no explanations needed. The X card can be a physical object on the table, a piece of paper with an X on it that people can touch or hold up when they want to invoke it. People can also verbally say X card, type X card into an online chat or cross their fingers or arms to signal that they are invoking the tool. When the tool is invoked, play stops. The person who used the X card can explain why they used it, but don't have to. No one should be pressured to explain or debate their boundaries. After play stops, you can resume again at a future point in the narrative. But if anyone wants to break or would like to discuss the content in private with a GM or another player, make time for it. So the X card is something we've used, DT. I just, uh... In, it's never, it hasn't come up yet, but I always say if there's something that's happening in the game that you're uncomfortable with, all you have to do is send me a DM or make it known in some way that is bothering you. And we will immediately stop what we're doing and move on. That's the X card. This is one, this is a tool we've used at the table before. Uh, next up, we have Script Change, created by Bo uh, Yagir Sheldon. Bo Yagir Sheldon? Yeah. Sheldon. I apologize, guys, for name pronunciation is not my best, even as a D&D. Also, John's, <laughs> John's last name, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, might be uh, Stavropoulos, too. So, so it sounds like maybe like a Greek name or something. But anyway. So script change. So script change allows in-depth real-time changes to the game. The first step with this tool is to decide on a rating for your campaign. For example, a G-rated campaign would be suitable for player people of all ages. 
While an R-rated campaign might have drug use, excessive violence, or sexual content. Giving your campaign a rating can be useful to describe the general level of intense or explicit content people are okay with, too. During play, the script change can be invoked by touching physical cards or by speaking or typing one of the action phrases from the list below. This tool is useful for groups that want a system in place for pausing, for pausing to talk above the table. It can help normalize metagaming and retconning, retroactively changing something, two concepts that get a bad rap in gaming, but are helpful in establishing and maintaining safety at the table. If it feels foreign or strange, make changes to the story. You can weave script changes into the story by framing them as dreams or predictions. So, we have fast forward. Invoke this if you want to skip over the rest of the current scene. For instance, a player might want a romantic moment to fade to black or skip past the details of a gory description. Rewind. Invoke this if you want to change an action or event that has occurred in the game. It can be anything from, wait, I don't think my character would say that, to, can we say the kid didn't get hurt and that he just got scared and ran away? Instant replay. Invoke this if you want to pause and go over what just happened and play out of character. This can be used after an intense interaction, or even after a long scene with complex details. Frame by frame. Invoke this if you want to take the scene slowly, maybe because the topic or theme is making you uncomfortable, you're nervous about roleplay, or you anticipate the material could veer into territory you want to handle carefully. Resume. Invoke this after one of the other script changes tools once everyone is ready to resume play. You can actually download the script change cards here. It has a link for you that will open a document to itch.io where you can get the cards. All right, DT, do you have anything you want to say on script changes? Or are you ready to move on to stars and wishes? Um, I think I, I think we kind of do some of this sometimes as well. Uh, yeah. In our, when we've done in our, in our previous games. And yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a, a pretty neat tool. Um, the cool thing about all of this stuff that we're talking about here is that you don't have to use everything here. Right. But you can if you want to. They're just all, you know, cool little things you can throw into your game and, and, and you know utilize them if you so choose to do that you know um but no yeah i think i think that's a just just a cool little little uh tool that you can use for for your game should, should you should you and your party uh you know if you're the gm choose to um uh, and yeah it's it's you know pretty cool so what's next josh Next up, we have Stars and Wishes. So Stars and Wishes by Lou Quaid uh, is a tool for collecting feedback from the table that also provides a fun way to wrap up a session. At the end of each session, ask each player to share one star, a moment from the game that they really loved, and one wish, something they hope will happen next time. Ending a session intentionally is particularly helpful after heavy games. That could result in the character's emotions affecting the player's emotions once the game is over. Some people also include a sprinkle. Something from the session they feel might tie into their character's backstory that they'd like to call to the GM's attention. If Stars and Wishes doesn't feel, Stars and Wishes doesn't feel right for your table, end heavy sessions by asking players to describe a brief epilogue moment for their characters. Something that puts a bow on the session and creates a, form, a firm conclusion to this part of the story. 
It can be as simple as asking each player, what does your character do after this? Stars and Wishes is something I want to do more of because it will help me build the next session, um, right? And it helps me find out what the players loved about the session that just happened. So I could add more of that in the future, of something that they like, right? So um, this one definitely feels... It feels more like a, D a DM tool, but it is definitely, like, the players can also use this as well. So, like, uh, like the sprinkle, right? Like, hey, this thing happened in the, in, the, in the course of the game. I think it might have something to do with my backstory, so I'd like you to kind of take a closer look at that. Maybe you can fit it in type of deal. It's really hard uh, to, in, uh, to work some things into a character's backstory. But if, a, say I'm a DM, right, and I'm running an adventure, and, and Jedrick, the ranger's there, and, and I'm just, I've just planned the game. I haven't looked at Jedrick's backstory at all, and I've just written out a session, and, and during, after the game's over, and Jedrick's like, I had a sprinkle, you know, I think this ma magic bow that we've heard a legend about, that might have something to do with my character. So can you, can you, like, that's sprinkle. Can you look into that? You know, without me even having looked at your backstory. Something that might yeah. fit in there. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool, yeah. So stars and wishes might be something we use more of in, in my table. Yeah. If the players are okay with that. <clears throat> so in closing, we have safety tool tips. Simply having safety tools in place is the beginning, not the end, of creating and maintaining a safer gaming space. There are some best practices GM should deploy throughout sessions and campaigns to make sure everyone utilizes tools. First up, we have be cool about immersion. Be relaxed about immersion, metagaming, and retconning. Safety and fun are more important than delicately tending to the game's narrative. Trust yourselves and one another to tell great stories, including making changes and discussing moments and beats as you go. And that's what you'll do. All of the best stories have edits. If you notice someone getting uncomfortable or seen veering towards established lines or veils, interrupt play to check in with the table or suggest taking a break. If anyone feels that a scene has inadvertently taken, taken a strange turn towards a subject that people feel uncomfortable with, even if, nothing, even if nothing that violates a line or veil has taken place, the GM and players should feel free to retcon a scene, either by using a script change or simply saying, wait, I'd like to take that again and change some things. Frequent check-ins. Even with safety tools in place, the game can still wander into territory that makes someone uncomfortable. Check in at the beginning of each session and ask everyone how everyone feels about the game so far. And to ask if people would like to add to the lines and veils. So that, guys, is the MCDM Tabletop Safety Toolkit. I'm actually really glad that we went over this today because it's very important to, cool. uh, to, yeah. to establish safety things. And, and you, there's a lot to learn from it. Um, again, you can get this completely free from MCDM on uh, on their Twitter. You can get it from their Patreon. Completely free, hundred percent free. Um, it's a it's a a very useful tool for those of the out there that um, maybe you're new to to Dungeons and Dragons and you're not used to safety tools, or maybe you're a new DM and you're and you're looking on on getting into it a bit more. Um, it's a way that everybody can come to the table, play D&D, &D, have fun, 
feel safe there, trust each other there, and I broke my stick. And um, I heard it snap too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I don't really have anything more to say on it. DT, do you have anything you want no, to add was, on the MCDM too quick? That was. That was really interesting. Uh, lots of interesting, cool tools that you can or cannot use. I think probably one of the most important ones is probably the safety checklist. That one I think is really uh, important in terms of like making sure what your players are comfortable with uh, as as a GM. Um, and like, even though I've never done, uh, I never run a campaign myself, GM wise or anything. I feel like these are all tools that eventually, whenever I do. If I do do, uh, if I do uh, run a game, I will be utilizing because they're very important uh, and helpful tools too. Like, you know, not only do they help make sure everybody is safe and 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 comfortable in, in playing in your game, but they'll also help you determine where you can take the game story and and whatnot. Um, so I think they're all really really cool and important interesting tools that you have at your disposal again you don't have to use them all if you don't want to but i feel like some definitely are 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 more important than others and 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 yeah it's just cool like in terms of like the whole session zero stuff too like it's good to just before you start playing just gather everybody up talk about you know expectations of the game and 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 you know what to expect and and what people are comfortable with and and you know if anybody needs help with anything or all all that kind of stuff is is definitely important just to make sure everybody's on the same page and then you can you know then you can start playing and having a good time um but uh yeah no i think it's these things are something that yeah it's not talked about a whole lot and uh you know we're only just now getting to it, and this is our seventh episode of the or seventh part of the D and D world building stuff. And you know, better late than never, I suppose. But but yeah, it's you know, really, really, really cool things to to consider and and discuss and 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 talk about and just, and just you know share that this is the thing because a lot of people may not even be aware or not even think about this kind of stuff, you know. So. Yeah, I think it's uh I think it's 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 good. It's it's good to to showcase this kind of stuff and and you know have people uh you know in their own D&D groups with their own GM and and fellow players and and whatnot, you know, talk about this kind of stuff cuz it is important. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah, definitely good stuff in here. Um a lot of cool like I said, tools and, and methods and, and things you can use or not use in your game. You know, if you or your 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 party decides to. Um, but I think for the most part, it's all helpful. Um, you know, if you should just should use them or not. Um, but yeah, this is all just just all all things that are designed to help everybody involved have a better experience overall. I All right, I'm actually fine with ending this episode right here, DT. Um, yeah, because... it's a, we, can, we, we can make this one just be the, you know, the, the, the safety to, the toolkit one. That's, that's all good. Yeah, so, 
I'm glad we went over that. Um, yeah. Impo- uh, an important thing that I, 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 I haven't really thought about going over it before on the podcast because like, I don't know. I, I'm, I've never, uh, like I haven't put, when I use safety tools, right. I don't have a paper in front of me that, that I read, you know, it's all like us at the table talking to each other and, and working things out. So MC, MCDM is like the first, uh, like here's all this safety tool stuff in one place where you can read all the options and things there. So that's why I'm glad that they put that out. I know like some of that stuff has existed for years. Um, and uh, I'm sure they got permission to, to put all that stuff in one big toolkit together. So we you have all the information in like one place. So um, pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to DT so we can wrap up, get out of here, get some food. I have some work to do. Yeah. I need to do on dice. So I'm going to throw it over to DT. Really, really quickly, really quick. Before that, we have a, po- we have a new poster of, of, of a movie that we're, that we're looking oh, we forward do. to. If you, if you want to throw that up real quick, yeah, let's have a look at it. Next game. Let's take a look at that. Oh, let me open that up. It was uh, tweeted by Mr. Zachary Levi, and it is a poster for Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Uh, he says, "Mark your calendars: Shazam movie, Fury of the Gods. Why is it stronger, faster, funnier? I mean, overall cooler than the rest. And do we mention humble?" Coming at you only in theaters on March 17th. Shazam movie to Electric Boogaloo. There it is. And it looks like, uh, I didn't even notice this before, um, but it looks like Shazam has a new suit in this uh, in this movie. And uh, I'd have to compare the two to see which one looks better. But the thing that really, uh, I can really tell that it's a different one is the, the boots. Those look very... Uh, very different and i'm sure there's other obviously other details here and there but i'd have to compare the, the suits from this one and the last one there we go sorry Chad. but uh yeah look at look at that <clears throat> there we go at, there it is shazam video of god so yeah it looks like he has a new suit for this movie i'd have to, yeah. I have to compare the two suits from this one and the last one see how it is but yeah i mean it's a it makes sense it, it you know for 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 the tone of, of the if you've seen the first movie you know the kind of tone that to expect from this so yeah but anyway i just wanted to bring that up since i saw that that you know that that was the thing before we wrap up this episode here sure um yeah we can uh i'm gonna throw it over can, to you oh, we can get on out of here sir you're uh thank you all for watching today's episode of clockwork cantina we was another world building episode this is part seven uh with the safety checklist and toolkit um we will be doing more D world building episodes in the future i'm sure uh this is probably going to be the last one for this year though because we got plenty of other things to get to uh, to cover the rest the remaining two months of the year uh which you know which is this month and next month um but uh yeah we hope you guys enjoyed and, and you know hopefully you guys had some pretty uh cool helpful tools um for your d for your own D games or rpg games and uh, we'll be back next week uh or next time and uh coming up for me i'm going to be playing some more prey 
I currently have YouTube videos going up on my channel. So go check that out. Go follow me on all the stuff here on the sidebars. And uh, yeah, I will see you guys next time. Well, bye. Have yourselves a good one. Peace out, everybody. By the way, I don't think uh, I can't hear you. I don't know if you're. No, nope, I was muted that entire time like an idiot. Hi, guys. Thank God that Daniel said something because I am dumb. Um, hi. Thanks, everybody, for watching the show. Um, yeah, because like I was like, I couldn't hear you on here. But then I was like, well, maybe the stream can hear him. And I hope I turned on. I turned on the stream while I was like, nope, still nope. can't hear him. So I was like, nope. let, let me let me let you, let me let you know so that you, you know you're muted. Yeah, here's what happened. A motorcycle went down the road and it was so loud that I grabbed and muted the mic and forgot I muted it. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. I don't have any plans of coming on any streams. I'm trying to get a laptop so I can stream some dice making. That's right. I'm a dice maker, guys. If you haven't seen the stuff, I do. 902 Dice Creations, Etsy, Instagram, TikTok. Um, I'm putting up videos every week uh, of things that I make. I have work I got to do when we're done with the show and I go eat food. Um, if you want commissions in time for Christmas, get in line, because I have a line right now if for dice creation stuff for polyhedral dice for D&D or other tabletop RPG stuff. Um, until next time, have a good N7 day. I hope you got something good out of the uh, safety tool kit. Make sure to go grab that. You can get it for free on MCDM. Uh, Twitter and their Patreon has links to it, so I put them in the chat. Make sure to go grab that stuff, and we will see you on the next... Clockwork Cantina, guys. Bye-bye.